Hey, everybody. Super, super fun, special edition of the morning show today. We have Farouk, Mando, and OSF, the crew from Rug Radio's morning show, coming on our show for a collaboration. It's a lot of fun. It's an extra long show. It's two hours. So we do kind of a regular show at the beginning where we talk about our usual subjects, all things NFTs. And then when Farouk, Mando, and OSF come on, we talk about all things from social media and the current state of affairs with threads with Farouk, building businesses in Web3. And then of course, the macro state of affairs with Mando and OSF. We talk about how they approach their management of wealth, how they approach trading. Overall, it's an absolutely fantastic show. Really hope you enjoy it. Nick, you had your first float tank experience yesterday. That's just to catch up for the YouTube people. What's going on, Nick? looks like you want to get something off your chest. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the float tank. It has to do with this Netflix show. Which one? Uh, called Deep Fake Love, which uh, is Spanish. It's uh, r- real. S- Spanish or, like Spain? Yes, actual Spain uh, TV show, which is a reality TV show. And the premise is this. The premise is, well, the premise is there's couples that come into the show and they want to test whether or not their, their love is real or fake. And many of their relationships have been in existence for Five plus years. Some of them like eight months or something. You're like, okay, well, who cares? But uh, a lot of the people on there have like five-year relationships. They come into the show and they're going to split them up and put them in separate houses with attractive single couples. Now, everyone is attractive in this show, basically. Both the couples as well as these attractive singles. And the commentary on this show is absolutely ludicrous, basically. 90% of people end up cheating in one way or another. They're like making out with somebody else or kissing somebody else. They're like, oh my God, I feel guilty for this. Like it's a real struggle for them. And they're like, and the further that they progress things like physically with another person, they're like, well, I got to, you know, test whether or not my love is real or fake. And I'm like, what, how is that a test? Like if you end up, Sleeping with someone else, are you going to come to the conclusion after you've cheated on the person whether or not your love is real or fake? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like hey, think about this: not only is the show just terrible, but it's awesome to watch like a train wreck. Trust me, my wife likes shows like this. But just think about how cancerous this stuff is to just the fabric of society. You know what I mean? It's just creating a generation of morally bankrupt, uh, just terrible people. Dude, the the thing. Well, A, you're correct about that. B, so one night, one of these guys, basically, uh, he he's there's an attractive single female, and all these people are essentially partnering up with somebody on, on the single side. And so this is the real test of their relationship. And they're like, well, I got to really push it with this other person to really test whether whether or not my relationship is real. I mean, so I, I, I think it's smart. I think it's so smart to operate is, that way. This is so dumb. So then what this guy, one of the guys, and I, everyone ends up cheating in one way or another from what I can tell. But basically this one guy goes with this one girl and he's like, yeah, I want to show you my bedroom. And they go to the bedroom <laughs> and he they sit down on the bed and they start making out. And then he leaves and uh, he's sitting around with all the other uh, cup, the, the couple people on in his house. And he's like, yeah, so last night I kissed her. But I really feel like I gained clarity through this process. And, and it really, 
you know, uh, and everyone's like, yeah, you know, you really needed to test whether or not your love was real. <laughs> they, all, they all bought in. They're all bought into this, this technique. But, but imagine you're the one guy, Nick, or gal, that's like super faithful the whole show and does nothing. And then you get to the finale and you find out your partner was just getting passed around having a good old time. You know what I mean? You're like, what the hell is I doing? I was the faithful one. You were make out central. Well, and and I feel like it's not just like, uh, well, one of the guys is like, well, you know, the upset, one of the girls is is kissing this other guy. And literally from the jump, She's like in a relationship with this other guy and she's not letting other girls be with him. And and she's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. So she was dating, got a single guy, now dating that single guy and saying like, hands off, this is my dude. Exactly, basically. And then let's that guy kisses her and uh, while they're in bed cuddling, and, but this is a true test of the relationship. And now one of, there's another guy on the show that later says that it's like, Ah uh, well, your boyfriend is not going to know it's going to—it's real. He's going to say that that was fake, because what they do is they show clips of that to the other couples, and they have to say whether or not that clip was real or fake, because some of it's deep faked situations, Wait, like so they, AI. Uh, just deep fake. So they'll like take two people and have them hump in a bed, and then, <laughs> and, then, then and then swap whose face it is. And show that to the other person to literally terrorize them and then be like, was it real or was it fake? And the person (laughs) did. Sorry, sorry. But you know when you have a dream that your partner has cheated on you or your girlfriend or your boyfriend has cheated on you? I don't know if guys do this, but certainly among my girlfriends, we've had discussions how you're pissed at them the next day because they cheated on you in In the the dream. dream. Yeah. Can you imagine like, watching like deep fake ai and dude after that anything that your partner does even like slightly sketchy will just like you will definitely recall that traumatic deep fake incident and then basically your next argument will be so blown out of proportion because you're comparing it to a fake moment when they cheated against a moment where they probably just said hi to a girl yeah, oh, or 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 the absolute gaslighter, you know, psychopaths are going to use the dake, the deep fakes to kind of like smoke and mirror their real, you know, promiscuity and be like, no, that, you know, that wasn't me. Uh, that Wait, was like a deep fake video. Signal. Do you uh, like? Do you get mad when you have a dream about cheating? <laughs> <laughs> No, but like I have definitely had dreams about my partner doing something wrong, which really pissed me off. And the next day it has affected my mood a hundred percent. Like I wake up in the morning, I'm just like a bit like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't no, want to be around me and he just no, runs out. The and door. I ask him, I'm like, what's wrong? And it's like nothing. And it's like, no, like obviously there's something wrong. And you spend an hour getting him to dig it out of him. And then they tell you, yeah, in the dream, like you cheated on me or something like that. And you're like, how is that my fault? Like how well, I, I can't prevent that. How could I have prevented that? Explain to me how I could have prevented that. I don't want to come out and say dreams that I've had, but I, <laughs> but, 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 but I just feel like what if I like was attracted to someone else in a dream? Am I cheating in that situation when I had, nothing. you don't say anything. You, <laughs> that, you go to the grave with that shit. Dude. So actually, one other quick, short, short snore, uh, snorey, uh, you know, who's not snoring is note. But uh, the, the other story I wanted to uh, share associated with that was 
So I, I was, uh, I worked with a photographer in high school, like a wedding photographer, and I'd go and uh, photograph with them, but I'd also serve as like an assistant sort of thing when, um, uh, at these huge weddings. Anyways, one day he comes, picks me up. We're going to uh, photograph a wedding and he's just breaking down basically because his wife said some other man's name in a dream the night before, basically while, while she was sleeping. And he's like, just devastated on this situation. He's like telling me about it. And I'm like a student in high school at this moment. So like, and he's my perfect, my teacher basically. And uh, who I also happen to work with. And he's telling me this thing and I'm like, I don't know what to do, man. And basically, uh, uh, he's calling up his friends and he's telling them the story and he's just distraught over this situation. I ended up photographing their their remarriage basically after this thing happened. They had a full remarriage ceremony that happened after this because she had a dream where she mentioned another man's name. Now it is a little weird saying another person is out loud. Yeah, that is a little. Yeah, that's kind of fucking weird though. Well, it depends if it's like a celebrity. I mean, it it should be okay. I mean, that's what oh, I would say. I would have I would have ASAP come up with like a celebrity's name. But if it's like an ex boyfriend or like ex boyfriend colleague, yeah, anything yeah, yeah. like that, then it's really sketch. I mean, yeah. I Ooh, NFT Nick, give me your NFTs. <laughs> like what the hell? Yeah, so that's definitely not in my dreams. But regardless. That show, if you want complete trash, I mean, the show is just absolute garbage. Um, I will say Netflix is filled with a lot of uh, Spanish language, uh, like both. Well, obviously, there's Netflix, Spanish, like a Spanish edition. But the uh, uh, there's a lot of shows on there that are just complete. They take the trash to another level basically so, so just and, get you on record you're saying you think spanish shows are garbage like low iq garbage like shows made by people <laughs> not all not all of them he was making a blanket statement not not all of them just they you're know how to they know they know how to make that. trash videos let me just say that and the people are more attractive than the american trash shows okay that's that's what i'll say yeah so they got a leg up i they mean have a leg up you need that node Welcome back to the show. No, are you mocking kicks by putting a bunch of gunk on your nose? I just realized it's uh, all uh, crooked, but yes, it was. It was. It was a nose strip. I wanted. It was the only Bury one I could find in, in the house, uh, <laughs> and I wanted to honor kicks, not mock him. Mm-hmm. Kicks, where do you get your nose strips? Yours, Throw it in the chat. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna order a- some. Yeah, Amazon, man. They got great options. There's all sorts of different, like, uh, like different, like tapers and different strength levels and like the glue that they use i prefer the toxic glue it holds longer uh but actually the past two days uh every morning i've had someone ask me if i uh broke my nose and had like nose surgery and i'm like nope it's just a nasal strip but they're definitely not fashionable like it's gonna take a lot more people like you and me to really kind of you know get into the zeitgeist of american fashion Look, I'll do anything to increase my performance. So if that's what it takes, like, let me know. Let me know if that's Dude, there's the, uh, this uh, there's this like social media uh, influencer like Alex Hormozel or something. He's like <laughs> Alex super big the, yeah, he's super big in the gym space. Dude's like my twin. You know, my twin that did steroids. Dude loves to do nicotine uh, gum. Just chews the shit out of it. And worth hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And wears nose trips all the time. And has a nice wife, lovely wife. She's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Node, you know, would you and your uh, significant other go on deep fake love and test 
you know, you really just test your relationship by making out with other people. Garbage. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with kicks, dude. It's destroying the moral fabric of our society. I've been married for 12 years, uh, so no, absolutely not. If you, if anyone goes on that show, do you show, know if it's automatic. real? Do you know if it's real? No, no. Like, do like I feel like you don't know if it's real until you go on a show and you go and couple up with somebody else yeah. and sleep with them. Yeah. If you go on any kind of show like that, that's just an automatic red flag. I mean, I would never even consider and dating anyone that that that, went, that was on any kind of Netflix couples show ever. But you date other people that aren't on those shows. Correct. Correct. <laughs> If I was not married already, I'm just saying if I was out there looking for a spouse, I would not go, uh, I would not go to Netflix to find Like if it's a sliding scale, they're not at OnlyFans level, but they're like, uh, they're sliding on that scale towards that direction. Uh, they're, they're probably on OnlyFans level already. They just, you just don't know it. <laughs> they're probably on there and saying it. Like, I'm just saying yeah. like that basically it's become so common that, that, uh, people are just like. Yeah, I'm on OnlyFans. That's like that's uh, it's it's a great way to make a living. And frankly, for some people, it really is. Like, I, I mean, you're sort of like at a certain point in my mind. I'm like, which destroyed the moral fabric of society in that scenario? The person going nude and making half a million dollars a year, or the people paying for it? This is where the question gets in. But this TV show definitely uh, not really effective, and the script. Part of it has to be scripted because the concept oh, yeah. that so that someone's sitting down and being like, "Yeah, you know, I kissed someone last night," and she's and the and everyone universally is like, "You know what they say? You got to test your relationship." I was like, "Take <laughs> seven, dude." I was like, "Take seven, and they had to give him a couple mimosas to really get him going. <laughs> you know what? You, you got you got to test your relationship, okay? You know that's all, honey. All I was doing was testing to make sure whether or not our love was real or fake. When I went and slept with that other woman, and it turns out I'm not into her. I'm not in love with that other person, okay? I was just sleeping with her to test whether or not my love for you was actually real. Bunny, would you and your wife go on a show like that? Bunny. Maybe he doesn't want to comment on this. Yeah, I think so, dude. I think I would. <laughs> Do you think you're – Dude, I love, I love those shows, man. Do you think uh, your wife would also want to be on the show or just you? I think she'd be game. <laughs> just test it out. I don't think you have to make out with people, right, Nick? It's not like an obligation. Nobody forces you, although based on how this yeah. show is going, I feel like that may be a prerequisite for participating on this show. It's like literally everyone ends up broken up at the end, and, and the literally the punchline of the whole show is like, See, all relationships are destined for failure. <laughs> That's some real CIA shit, dude. They're trying, to, they're trying to reduce the population through TV shows. My conspiracy theory. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, today's show is a very special edition show where we're going to uh, discuss several topics like Moonbirds and Doodles building momentum. We have Notorino joining the show to discuss all things that are happening in the art world. But of course, this is actually a joint show with Farouk, Mando, and OSF from Rug Radio. They're going to be joining us you in about them here. 
in about 40 minutes for the second leg of this show. The show's going to be extra long. It's going to be a little two-hour banger where we have the Rug Radio squad for the second half of the show. So very, very exciting show today. Uh, really excited to dive in and get into the meat and potatoes of it. Want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's show, Phantom Wallet. Phantom is the official wallet partner of Bodagos and the Nifty, the leading wallet on Solana, and is bringing its millions of users a superior user experience and NFT features to Ethereum and Polygon. So with Phantom, you can easily view your NFTs across all three of those networks. You don't need to constantly switch between wallets. Uh, If you have Bodagos, you can have them all in one place. Uh, Phantom offers a browser extension and world-class applications for both iOS and Android, so you are able to access your wallet from anywhere. Plus, in Phantom Wallet, you can actually search for and pin your NFTs to keep your collection organized. That's in Wallet, right? That's not on the marketplace, but actually in your wallet. Uh, and because of Phantom's incredible UI, you don't have to worry about you know the hassle of managing multiple seed phrases. It has support for multiple seed phrases, so you can just import all your wallets in one place. Uh, the upgrade super easy. No need to send NFTs or transfer assets. Just import your existing Ethereum wallet seed phrase into Phantom. So go to phantom.app to get your wallet kicked off with a much better solution through Phantom. So shout out to Phantom, the official wallet partner of the Nifty and Bodagos. We got kicks on the weather report. Real quick, I wanted to say Clemente, I think you have a new idea for a segment here, which is called Real or Fake. And basically you just take quotes from all of us, put them on the screen with just like tweets and be like, was that tweet real or fake? And it's going to be like me saying something offensive about a project. And then was that real or fake? I love that. There we love go. Uh, Kicks, we got you on weather. Please take us through it. Awesome. Thanks for re-kicking to me, coach. I, was, uh, I wasn't sure when Nick was going to finish, so the music should be coming on any second right now. So, Oh, shit. Today is Thursday, the 20th of July. Volume coming in, 11.5 million. Blur, 6.9. OpenSea up a little bit at 3 million a day. So we're still looking pretty light. But floor prices, they're holding up. Eights, 33.2. We got Mutants at 6. We got Punks at 48.6. D-Gods holding strong, 8.6. Those frat boys, they got that money. Azuki, 5.6. Nice little rally off 5.3 when everyone thought they were dead. Captain 6.3 looking okay. Pudgies 3.9. They are a uh, four ETH stable coin. Over the past 24 hours, Meme Coin revealed the upcoming airdrop will be 17,250,000 tokens. That's 25% of the total meme supply. It'll be stored with MVP captains and potatoes. A redacted amount will be available for instant unlock. So we're looking at some sort of locked, dripped out supply. Looks like they know what they're doing with tokenomics. Over on Ordinals, we got BitGod, the creator of OXBT, was involuntarily doxxed as Chad. Well, I hope the price went straight to the moon because that's a legendary name. He revealed himself to be the former founder of crypto exchange Zoog, which was eventually shut down after the company couldn't find product market fit in 2020. Hey, you know, that's a, he's trying. He's hustling. He's chopping his feet. It doesn't always work out. What is this story? 
announced they will reduce the mint price to 0.065. That's only $125 for all upcoming phases. They want to make that trash accessible for everyone. Lastly, a luxury Italian sports car, Ferrari F40, has been sold on Alter Marketplace for $2.5 million alongside a Polygon NFT as proof of ownership. Alter Marketplace wants to become a hub for buying and selling of luxury items authenticated on the Polygon blockchain with NFTs. You can also show that NFT to a cop if you get pulled over and you won't get a ticket. Quickly looking at crypto, Bitcoin 30.2, ETH 1920, Solana 27, 82.1. Crypto looking strong, altcoins looking very strong. Back to you in the studio. Fantastic weather report. I love that uh, platform, you know, having proof of ownership of high-end uh, luxury collectibles like Ferraris. Very cool stuff. You're going to see that with watches. Left and right is my uh, theory moving forward. Some updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter published at the nifty.com. You need to have an account there for the free NFTs that we give away almost daily, including today. So go to the nifty.com and make an account. Moonbirds announced that the Moonbirds Mythics reveal begins today at 1 p.m. Eastern time with 50 Mythic eggs receiving an activation that allows them to be manually hatched. 50 nominated oddities are going to be burned for a Mythic for a maximum of 100 Mythics being revealed every day. That's a faster pace of reveal than I thought. I thought it was going to be more gradual than that. 100 a day sounds like a good amount. Right or Clemente yeah, should be should be minted out. They think uh, or fully revealed in two hundred days. Oh well, that that's a long time. Never mind. That's a good amount of time. I thought that that was what they were going for, like over a half year reveal. That makes sense. Doodles revealed details for their highly anticipated Doodles X Camp collaboration, thirty five hundred square foot physical activation in Chicago. That's big, featuring various experiences in a co-branded collection of apparel and accessories. OG Doodle holders are eligible for benefits, including an exclusive preview on August 17th and future elevated ticket experiences at the store. Uh, yep. Oh, sorry. sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Sotheby's Grails Auction Part 3 concluded, achieving nearly $1.2 million in sales and including a 133.7 Ethereum sale for a white CryptoPunk and two Fidenza sales at 147 and 127 ETH. So another million-dollar NFT auction from a traditional auction house that features punks and Fidenzas. These just keep going down during this bear market. Pudgy Penguins shared details about their plushies to their 700,000 Instagram followers this week in their usual delivery of an animated short-form video, receiving over 120,000 views and 8,000 likes. Those are the stories from the Nifty Daily Digest. Sign up at thenifty.com so that you can claim the free NFT that happens later on in this show. Nick, what did you want to chime in with, buddy? Uh, well, it looks like it was the second subject for today. Maybe we just switched the order. The That's one, fine. This, yeah. this, this doodles camp thing, mm -hmm. which was how many like doodles owners have kids in, in Chicago Four. is one. What? Four. Okay. Well, that's cool that you know the number. The, uh, the other thing I was, well, it's cool that they're doing that and they seem to be really focused on like physical installation stuff because they did that event uh down when we at um in Miami our basil yeah and so, uh, with the putt putt experience so they are really focused on that 
I wonder a how much revenue something like that generates. Uh, B uh, camp is like you know uh, a pretty cool store to be partnered with, but C I wonder from like the NFT holder standpoint, where does this overlap? Like it, it feels disconnected. Am, am I am I completely off with that? Like well, yeah, I mean. I, I think that it can definitely feel disconnected, but also to your point, like it's been part of their strategic playbook for a while. So you shouldn't really be surprised if they're continuing to lean in on this. It also looks like it's like 36 bucks, 36 bucks a ticket to get into the experience. I'm sure if you hold a doodle, you get in for free to so get a little utility out of that. Um, I honestly think doodles should just completely abandon NFTs and just like franchise, like cool uh, physical experiences. Like they're putt putt. They, like they could probably make millions of dollars just having those putt putts around the world but yeah man i think uh i, I think it's it's their playbook right well what if, kind of brand is camp it's a it's a higher end toy store uh but calling it high end is probably a little ridiculous it's not like i've uh shopped there there's one in the building right down here um it feels like more polished than like kb toys back in the day where you had like he-man and like different like action figures um, instead, a lot of the stuff there is more interactive, like uh, slime and uh, the the sand equivalent of whatever slime is. There's, mo there's more textural uh, things that are there. Um, they sell uh, plushies and other sort of like I, I've seen a lot of like electronic ones. But basically, it's just um, a higher end uh, toy store. The other thing that they're focused on at those camp stores is essentially they have like a daycare experience there. So you can pay for your kid to go play there for three hours or something like that and go on a date. And I oh, think that's oh. kind that's kind of what the uh, the focus is about. Um, so the, the, to to make it interactive is is the main uh, purpose of it, which is why I think the stuff that Doodles is doing makes sense. It's just like, like I you I don't want to. I wouldn't criticize them as a business. It, it it seems like, but as an NFT project, it's it's really difficult to see the overlap there in terms of like how that fits natively uh, with their brand, and or you can just say that's where they're moving the IP is towards uh, interactive experiences. They're not very like they've never come out and said that though. Like the, uh, there, that's never been like a, a, a phrase that they've mentioned. Instead, you only have like the interactions that they've released or revealed in order to like set that benchmark. So I'm curious how other people perceive them as a brand in the marketplace. I find um, it a little bit conflicting, I have to say, but only uh, only because well, I've never been into a camp. But from what you've just said, I I really like the idea of having these in real life activations where kids go in and, you know, if they like it, they would interact and do whatever games that are there. I, I think it's a very cool strategic partnership. However, I just find it a bit conflicting in that I never really thought Doodles was a kid's brand. I always thought it was aimed um, or it was at least, or at least born of in, like into an older audience. And then as well, when you sort of have, you know, the creative director of, sorry, the menswear creative director, Pharrell Williams at Louis Vuitton, um, being part of that partnership, that's where I find it a bit like, huh, camp, but then you have Pharrell. It doesn't really make sense in my head, but I think as a, as like, if that's the direction they want to take, they want to just tap into that kid's market. 
that partnership totally makes sense. From my perspective, if they're successful in any of this stuff and actually bring in significant revenue, then it's a success, right? So uh, I'm not against NFT businesses actually figuring out a way to have real business revenue long term that doesn't have to do with minting more NFTs. I think that we're going to have to see. Well, look, the thing is, is if somebody cracks that code and actually does like a physical space that people actually want to go to when they're making a lot of money, then that's huge. Like here, Clemente has it pulled up right now what the you know IRL space is going to look like. It looks cool. So if this is a success in Chicago, then we're all going to be saying, oh, my God, Doodles crushed it. The thing that I like more about it is that it would actually set a precedent and give uh, us as an industry, because we are so nascent as an industry, basically two years old um, at this point, you know, the NFT side of the crypto industry, it would give us a little bit of a, uh, a roadmap where this is something you can do. Because right now I feel like all roads sort of lead to either fine art, right? But like the vast majority of, I mean, that's not like the business side. That's for like fine artists and people that are looking to operate businesses in the fine arts space and just operate with digital art. So that's one side. But then the other roads kind of do lead to video games, it seems. People make the social club case, but there isn't like a social club that's been profitable that's actually happened yet short of selling more NFTs, right? If there was like already a Soho house type franchise in place, which people are saying Board Ape Yacht Club is going to start. Maybe they're successful with it. But their main focus, Board Ape Yacht Club, Yuga Labs, is video games. And I think a lot of people, look, Kix is the CEO of a video game business in the NFT space himself. Um, roads are kind of pointing towards video games right now. Pia, you would have loved how deep down this rabbit hole I went last night. Basically, I was thinking about video games and online and AI convergence and how it's all going to be like so hard to differentiate. Basically, what I thought is, is that the reason why GameStop is going to be worth so much is if you want to be a competitive video gamer, you're going to have to go to a GameStop where literally a referee is going to watch you calibrate yourself in a video game to make sure you're not cheating with AI at home. Mm. Well, I mean, that's interesting. I think competitive video games is going to get bigger and bigger. I wonder how big of an industry that's actually going to be. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's going to be big. I also think that there's a side note as a tangent. I think video gamers are going to be in elite shape as VR oh, stuff yeah. starts to develop. Because if you've ever played a VR boxing game, it is so fun. It's so fun to just stand there in the living room and, and you know, throw punches and actually go through the motion of boxing and you sweat. I mean, it's oh, it's yeah. real exercise. I mean, my favorite esports team of all time was jacked out of their minds. 2018, Boston Major, CSGO, Cloud9, absolutely dominated against FaZe Clan. And these guys were definitely on roids, man. They were hitting bench. <laughs> was it roids, though, or was it just a bunch of Adderall that led to not eating as much? And like Adderall, really Adderall in, in, in post-workout. But I will say the opposite side of that is like those sitting down games. Like, man, I could play Angry Birds on VR for a decade and you don't sweat a single bit. Mm. But it's just completely immersive. It's one of the best games. Well, you're going to have the athletic VR gamers and the non-athletic VR gamers. Signal? I was going to say, maybe this is how a lot of Twitter beef can now be sorted out. Instead of people actually having to get in a ring and get their faces punched, not many people actually want that. They can just do VR. And so all this Twitter beef is like VR boxing. And, you know, you train away if you even train, uh, and just beat the other person up. I think this is a perfect solution and a potential moneymaker for a Web3 business. <laughs> well, we'll see. Anyway, to wrap things up on the Doodles Camp physical experience, uh, we will see how successful it is. I have to think that 
Um, they're hoping that it'll be a very uh, successful in real life space. If it is successful, it would be a, a quite frankly pretty big and important news for the NFT space because it would just be like somebody's got a business. Nick, I have something completely unrelated. Okay, uh, we, we were done with that, so that's fine. Uh, a story which involves Easy. Uh, yesterday, he notified me when we were in a meeting of a money printing loophole <laughs> that the Bodagos Discord had found. And essentially what had happened was... I'm not talking about it, Nick. I'm not talking about I'm it. I'm not going to name the, the company, but uh, the essentially there's a site, a gambling site, which essentially lets you bet whether or not a uh, price of an underlying token is going to go up or down. And, it, and it's like uh, just real-time betting. And you can do leveraged bets on this to be like, I think it's going to go up and you just place the entry and then it goes up or down and you exit your position, basically. It's, it's trading. Um, but what happened was the Oracle that was uh, delivering the price for this site was delayed. And it was delayed by like three plus seconds. So what uh, people in the Bodagos Discord was, were doing was going and getting the real price placing the trade, having the price go up, and then exit, essentially. Free money. money. Free and it money. was free money. Uh, you're muted, Kix. But uh, that's that's all good because you're going to speak over anyways. But <laughs> um, I was just so, saying, people talked about this other day. You know how like having the servers closer to the thing? Like the yeah. closer to the data has the advantage. That's so, even a big thing in gaming now, too, which is wild. Like they switched up Fortnite servers where you now need to basically be in Texas to play competitively. So... Like, well, that's ridiculous. But here's what happened. So we're in the meeting and Easy communicates this to me. And I'm not capable of passing up a free money printing machine. So I turn on the VPN. I go sign up for this gambling site, basically. I go and tr I deposit one soul. I also need to upgrade my trading view. So I'm now $30 into the uh, trading view upgrade so I can get the per second uh, uh, data, maybe even $50 plus the one sold that I've put in. And Easy's like, yo, you got to like bet on something real quick in order to uh, unlock your account so that you can withdraw. You got to make one bet. So I go and make one bet on uh, what's the name of that? Uh, uh, Crash. The, it's called Crash. Crash, which is where like a rocket goes up and it gives you a multiplier. It starts at one and it starts counting up and you, you like exit and you get that multiple. So everyone, it's it's a gambling thing. Anyways, I I go in, I do crash, immediately lose my money, uh, and, and I lost fifteen dollars. So I'm now already like sixty five dollars into this thing. They shut down withdrawals withdrawals because they've figured this out, and additionally, the site has now fi fixed the bug. So, so, so Nick was late to the party. Nick was late to the party. So I just lost $65 basically for uh for, for testing this concept out um, which is so ridiculous, but it was it was a pretty uh uh interesting loophole and Easy is always telling me late in this in this story basically is the moral of this where he's like, "Dude, I've made like $6,000 so far on this like on this uh money printing glitch." And you're like, oh, cool. Thanks for telling me about it. And by the time you go and execute on it, like the opportunity is gone. Um, so that that's that. Thanks for the alpha easy. There Anytime. you go. Anytime, my friend. He told me and I had zero interest in it. I'm just like, I, I'm not going to work out for me.
<laughs> um, really? Yeah, because dude, like, what if I can't withdraw the money? What if I what if they lock my account? Like, you know. <clears throat> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, just want to take another quick minute before we dive into the state of the art market with Notarino. Love having Node back on the show. We want to just take a minute to thank the sponsor of today's show, Phantom Wallet, the official wallet partner of Bodagos and the Nifty. Security should be your number one priority when you're dealing with all crypto and NFT self-custody. And that's why Phantom offers cutting-edge security to keep your assets safe. We've seen some of the most notable people and leaders in Web3 get hacked. It's very unfortunate to see. And so Phantom has set out to create a much better solution and drastically improve the security issues that many users face with the competitors of Phantom. So Phantom's browser extension and mobile apps, get this, actually offer a transaction simulator before you complete the transaction. And that's designed to protect you and your assets from phishing attacks. Phantom also supports Ledger Mobile, ensuring your assets are kept secure even when you're using a hardware wallet. I know this feels like it should be obvious. Like, yeah, obviously I should be protected. But the reality is Phantom's competitors don't really have any infrastructure in place. So when you're dealing with Phantom, you're dealing with a super legible interface that keeps you informed and keeps you in control. And with Phantom support for multiple Ethereum and Solana seed phrases, you can import and manage all your wallets in one place without the need to send NFTs or transfer assets. So just import your existing seed phrases, import all of them, uh, Ethereum, Solana, whatever, import them into Phantom, fund your ETH wallet on Phantom with some ETH and just get cooking because it's a much better user experience. I would be very surprised if you keep using another wallet after you start using Phantom. It's just dope. Uh, so go to phantom.app, phantom.app, and fund your ETH wallet for the ultimate NFT and crypto experience for that matter. So note, we, we got you here to talk about art, to talk about the state of the art market. We already discussed this Sotheby's auction, yet another one in this bear market. There have been a bunch, and it feels like a lot of people in the NFT space have not put the respect on those uh, auctions that they deserve. We just talked, you know, that's the Sotheby's Grails Part 3 auction from the seized Three Arrows Capital portfolio. What do you make of everything that's happening in the art world? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, the the Sotheby's auction has been, I, I feel like when you look at some of the prices, it, it feels like people are overpaying uh, a lot of the time. You, you know, you I think it was Dee's yesterday that mentioned like, hey, you guys know you can just hop on OpenSea and buy, you know, ringers directly from us, right? You don't have to go through Chris Dees. He's like, he's like, where are these trad guys coming? We need to teach them how to get on chains so they can buy our bags. Uh, but it, it's it's really encouraging, honestly, because there's every single like every single Sotheby's auction that's happened, like nothing's come in below like floor, really, right? It, they've all been over floor prices. They've all been successful. Um, so it's encouraging, and we've had. I mean, you've seen as well, like a lot of the uh, hoodie crypto punk sales over the last week or so. So there's there's still like demand for these high end assets, which I think is which I think is exciting. Um, in addition Yo, to I that, was, I was yeah. wondering real quick with the um, with like the Sotheby's and, and stuff like that. I was wondering if they would eventually maybe become the marketplace for like mid rares. You know what I mean? Where like they people that like you know because mid rares is like a very illiquid market. In NFTs, I'm not sure about, or in uh, collectibles, I'm not sure about with art. But I was wondering if that's what people are using it for. Or do you literally think people like why? Because you're saying like why are people buying through Sotheby's, but 
on the flip side, why are these people selling through Sotheby's? Well, this yeah, is I Three mean, Arrows Capital's portfolio liquidation. That's why it's going oh, through Sotheby's. Oh, I, I thought the the ones that sold yesterday. I thought someone like was bulk selling all of those. Those were all still Three Arrows. Like the yeah. okay. Well, yeah, I think it's all still Three AC. But yeah, I mean there is mid rares is like a. I mean, there's never been a, a market a liquid marketplace for mid rares. So and you're talking about mid rares for fine art because at this point the only collectibles that Sotheby's or Christie's would touch, I think, is. Uh, really high-end board apes like you know suit apes or like uh gold yeah. apes and uh crypto punks that's it I was that there's probably more liquidity <laughs> on there's probably more liquidity on like floor chromie squiggles and then like the ultimate grail chromie squiggles squiggles and then you have these mid rares with just like with pfps they're rarer than, but it's hard to like get a price and get liquidity there. I was just curious, but sorry for derailing. No, no, it's okay. I mean, and I think it's actually interesting that you bring this up because I don't think Sotheby's is going to do an auction where they're like, all right, we're auctioning off 20 different chromie squ uh, squiggles. They have to have some sort of narrative associated with it. The narrative here is that it's the C's Three Arrows Capital portfolio. Right? Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah. And, and it's the, I think it's great because they're, they, they're basically the one avenue to sell to trad collectors, right? That has a really strong marketing presence on the trad side. So I feel like there's probably some collectors out there that are traditional art collectors and they, you know, they know Sotheby's or they know Christie's and, and you know, the Christie's and Sotheby's are, are who they look to, right? To, to say, okay, this is what you should buy. You know, we're only going to auction off quality, quality assets here or quality art. So I think that's exciting. Uh, beyond, I mean, beyond the Sotheby's stuff, there's been a huge uh, proliferation of just like lots of different platforms that are launching art. So, I mean, we have Verseworks, we've got Tonic, you have Braindrops. Um, lot, I mean, you've got Prohibition, which just, just launched on Arbitrum. So there's a lot of different uh, platforms that are launching art these days. And I got I to gotta throw one of these. I'll throw one of these in, a, uh, in the chat so you guys can pull it up. But there is a new collection. I haven't bought it yet, um, but I'm I'm eyeing it. It looks phenomenal. Um, there's a new collection there, and this was launched on Verseworks, and I I I didn't catch the mint, uh, but it looks awesome. I'm I'm a sucker for like you know Asian motifs and stuff, so I think this looks really cool. But this was like a generative AI project that that dropped, and the the floor is already holding up like really well. It's it's up from I think I think the mint was around 0.5. Or about a thousand, um, and yeah, the collection name is Yamabushi's Horizons by Richard Nadler, uh, and it just looks. I mean, this looks this looks sick. Like, and some of the some of the higher ones, like the the higher floor, higher price ones, they look phenomenal. So there's a lot of cool art that's dropping, um, and a lot of different collections that are showing up. So no, it's good to see. I was uh, having dinner with a friend last night, and he collects art in the NFT space. He's got some art pieces that are pretty high value from some notable artists. And I was talking to him about how a significant percentage of the artists in the NFT space have, quote unquote, fumbled the way that they've approached their supplies, like kind of dropped too much to continue to make, you know, really income for themselves. And I think take for granted the market for their art. And it re resulted in, um, you know, the, the price going down. And he immediately brought up, he was like, well, I read somewhere that, you know, some artists like from Da Vinci's time, maybe it was Da Vinci, maybe it was someone else, you know, made a piece every day for X number of years. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Number one, that's like literally Leonardo da Vinci. But number two, 
Da Vinci didn't make an algorithm or make like, you know, a, a software, you know, he didn't code something out and then drop 8,000 pieces and be like, here you go. I just did the math to drop 8,000 pieces. If you did one every day, that would take 22 years. I don't have a problem with that. I'm all for that. But I feel like these, some of these artists that are just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Here's another 6,000 supply of my artwork. You know, it, it, I don't know how well it's going to hold up. Think but about Da Vinci did invent the helicopter. So he could have actually had a tool to help him yep. draw quicker. He was the Renaissance man, right? Architect, engineer, artist, incredible, right? Sculptor. Um, but anyway, Node, you know, what artists do you think are really, really, really doing it right when it comes to maneuvering uh, in the art market, which, by the way, is insanely difficult. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh, yeah, it's, totally, it's so easy to just go and have the value of your art be millions and millions of dollars. It's incredibly difficult. But there are people that are doing it very well, and they're doing it better than their their peers. Yeah, I mean, I I, I obviously love the generative art stuff. So I'm, I'm going to be, be biased looking on that side of things. Um, well, you got to be careful really, with supply with that stuff, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. You have to be very careful with supply and not drop too many, you know, all at once and, and probably only drop one, you know, one or two collections a year is probably a, a good a good way to look at it. Uh, you know, Dimitri Cherniak has done an amazing job, right? Like he he launched uh, Ringers and then he launched Light Years, which is like a 100 supply collection, right? Very small. Uh, you see these other artists. I would say William Mapon has done a really nice job. Uh you know, he dropped, uh, he did anti-cyclones and people love his work. Uh, I picked up a strands of solitude. That's a, that was actually a tonic XYZ drop. Um, and that was uh, a smaller collection size. Uh, so he's done it. He's done a terrific job and he's actually putting out some really interesting outputs these days of, uh, like kind of, uh, it looks like paint, right? But it's not, of course, it's just code. Um, but he's doing a lot of interesting stuff there as well. Uh, and then, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, who, you know, who I'm, uh, who I love looking at his work is Rafiq Anadol. He's still dropping like really cool stuff all the time. Uh, and you know, getting into, you, you know, you're seeing his work in museums and everything like he's that. He's favored so. by the art world. It seems quite a bit. Yeah. 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 And he just dropped another collection that I, I mean, I want it. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool drop. It comes with it's, you know, it's, it's his traditional, uh, what do you call it? like you know video right there's there's it's animated and it's 60 seconds long but it comes with a print as well uh of, of a printed output of it which is pretty interesting so a lot of cool um yeah i think it's called like wana yawana yawanawa um so that yeah it looks i mean the prints look cool they look they look legit so i i like the idea that a lot of these artists are dropping you know ton, the, the platform tonic for example uh, every single drop they do, they you can purchase a print, right? So I like that they're doing that. It kind of, you know, mar marrying the two art worlds together of, you know, traditional, you can have a physical print and you've got the digital NFT there um, as provenance and as, you know, if you want to display it digitally as well. Um, but yeah, I think those are a few artists that I think, I mean, Jack Butcher, another one that's really interesting uh, in terms of like an artist that's capturing uh, obviously everything. Uh, I sold one of my Opepins, the, you know, during this last craze, just cause there's, I mean, there's just, they were everywhere. You couldn't escape them, but Jack Butcher's, I think he's done a beautiful job of being like a very web three native artist and, you know, pushing the medium and turning the, the, the fact that this is a social media experience into art, right? Like this is all part of art. 
uh, I think I think it's really cool. Uh, but I'm again, when you talk about supply, I think that's interesting because you know, a Pepins have a high supply, right? Like it, it, checks had a high supply. They're obviously kind of deflationary. The, if you're but they're trade; those are traded yeah. as collectibles. That I mean, they are. Like if you yeah, got yeah. if you got your typical NFT Gen buying it, it's treated it's a collectible at that point, you know. And I'm not I'm not cheapening it or discrediting it. I'm just pointing it out, you know. Like that's that's how that got treated by the market. It's different than if you know some artist drops like a one thousand run generative art piece that's trying to get the attention of like people that buy art blocks and people that buy you know these different gener like it it, it is uh, treated as a collectible. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Uh, it, but it is interesting, right? Like the people that uh, that love Jack Butcher, they're just they're I mean, they're huge. They're 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 totally sold and they they believe in him as an artist and they think his work is pure art. So I think it's really interesting, especially, you know, the uh, the the O'Peppins that are that are more rare. Right. They're selling for 20, 30 ETH. But I think you're right. It's like it's like this hybrid of is it art or is it is it a bored ape, right? Like it's it's right in between. Um, but if you talk to somebody that loves Opepins, they're going to tell you that it's art and it's it's only art, right? Which is interesting. Yeah, I mean that conversation doesn't really matter though. At the end of the day, right? I mean it's just what the market like how the market treats it. I I want to comment though about how how healthy the fine art side of the NFT space actually is. Look at the liquidity on Fidenzas. There's legit liquidity. Like it, there's been what, 6 or 7 sales in the past month. That's a $150,000 piece of digital art and you got 7 sales a month. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Like come on now. Uh that's pretty damn good. Nick, you it's, came back yeah. something to chime in with Nick? Well, the only thing I just wanted to say is Jack Butcher, another Nifty Nick podcast guest. <laughs> it's, it's just basically if you were on that show for that sequence, basically uh, pr pretty much uh, that's a 90% hit rate. It's yeah. a 90% Nick. You're a kingmaker. What can we say? You are a kingmaker. Uh, it's a prerequisite to go on your show to be I anointed. I take credit for Jack Butcher's success, basically. It's because of you. Because Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at it. Because of me. There you go. When is that What's was... the date on this? Ladies and gentlemen, on the YouTube show, we have this brilliantly crafted uh, <laughs> thumbnail of the Nifty Nick podcast. Those fonts aren't stock fonts that come in Adobe Photoshop. He totally went and bought those fonts. Anyway, uh, we got Jack Butcher next. <laughs> see, I just struck a chord with Nick. He's like, it's a good font. I'm like, ah, well, we'll see about that. But anyway, let's take a look. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, dude. All of your title slides are just Helvetica. You're making 19, <laughs> whoa, whoa, 19, whoa, 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 whoa. 1987, 1987 uh, movies. He, I realized when, when Pio makes his title uh, slides now where his inspiration came from when I watched uh, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting, the introduction there, the like the title sequence is quite basic. That's one of the best parts of watching some of these old movies is to see the technology available at that time for like title sequences. And uh, essentially, it's just like straight up, just like Helvetica, and it's just like slap it on there. 
Goodwill Hunting. Oh, I'll, I'm gonna call. Up, I'm gonna call up Gus Van Sant and tell him, "Hey, uh, my my business partner Nifty Nick thinks that your title sequence sucked. And by the way, if Helvetica Bold's been good enough for Martin Scorsese for decades, it's good enough for me, amigo. But back to what well, we were talking about, He's you being Martin a kingmaker. Scorsese, that's the whole point about about that, though, dude. Like, it's you know, it's not like you add Helvetica Bold and suddenly you're Martin Scorsese. He gets to do that because he can do an under understated thing and you're like damn this is martin scorsese right here this is a piece of this is a piece of art yeah it is we went off on a complete tangent there we're talking fonts i mean people need to hear about the fonts you took it personally that i called you out for fonts it's okay you you can't be good at everything nick you're good at a bunch of things and sometimes i feel like you want to just be perceived as good at everything i don't think you're good at bobsledding amigos i hate to break it to you hate to break it to you um have you ever gone bobsledding have you ever seen me on a bobsled maybe i Maybe I'm actually pretty good, and I think you're underestimating it. I'm okay? just saying, you don't have to be good at everything, buddy. It's okay to to you know have weaknesses. Anyway, uh, Node, any closing thoughts before good we bring problem. on the special guest of the day, the Rug Radio Gang, OSF, Mando, and the one and only Farouk. I see Farouk's got a hat on. He's ready for the show. Everybody's wearing hats. Anyway... Will the show fit this many people? We're going to figure it out. We're going to make it fit. We're going to make it fit, Nick. Uh, Note, any closing thoughts on the art side of the NFT market? No, I'm just excited. Like, I, as always, I think there's always a lot of opportunity. Uh, again, if you're looking at art, you have to look at it with a uh, longer term horizon. Um, but you're right. It's exciting looking at Fidenzas that ha- still have liquidity. I mean, I think I was reading Tyler Didditz, um, uh newsletter uh this morning the morning minute and i i mean he mentioned like oh you know it's a day after you know a bunch of these art drops and he's like there hasn't been any movement on a lot of them and you know if you were in the traditional art world and somebody was like oh like none of these pieces have sold since yesterday right like that that's like kind of absurd and so the the idea that like we're still moving uh you know a lot of art on a regular basis in web three, like on a weekly basis, every other week, like it's exciting and it's encouraging. And I, I'll just close with this, uh, nifty Nick, I have seen him uh, on a bobsled. It was actually an Alpine sled, uh, Alpine bobsled. And, uh, he, he dominated, he crushed it on that thing and he was happy and he was excited and he was in his element. So nobody's bobsledded like your boy has bobsledded basically. But PO didn't realize that, look, I'm, I'm multifaceted to a degree that even he doesn't appreciate. So yeah, you're, you're good at everything. We all know, man. We, we all know. Um, well, yeah, look, and no, one last thought, actually. That same friend I was having dinner with last night, what he said was, he was like, look, I'm trying to position myself to get a chromey squiggle because he was like, I don't want to like be getting in and out of this stuff. He's like, I want to buy something and just have it sit there and like wait a really long time for it to appreciate. And when he said that about chromey squiggle, I was like, I think that's a good call because, like, look, not that many people can buy a Fidenza for one hundred and forty or one hundred and fifty thousand bucks. I'm just saying that's like a high end piece of art to be buying. Not that many people can do that. But there are NFT DJs like, look, you can buy a Captains for six point four. And I, a lot of people listening to the show own Captains or you could buy a Chromie Squiggle. What's the floor on that now? Ten. Is that? Yeah, it's right around ten. Yep. I'm just saying Chromie Squiggles. I, I, I think they're phenomenal. I mean. If I could only buy one thing right now uh, and I didn't have like crazy amounts of ETH, it'd be, it'd be a Chromie squiggle for sure. They have, they have the most liquidity of, of most any gen art project. Um, they're iconic. And I think there's a real world where you see those at a 40 ETH floor 
in the next bull run, you know, like no problem. Eat um, 10K. What's that? Eat at 10K. <laughs> Eat at 10K. Yep. Yep. So those are going to, those are going to what sell for about 400K a piece, something like that. I want to talk just, about, I'm kicking myself. Didn't these get down to like five ETH during the bleed out last year? Yeah. Like five, six ETH. So, yeah. uh, Such a mi mistake by the market. I mean, good God. That was God. one of my calls and I just didn't literally, I literally did not buy that trade. Go, Clemente, pull up, pull up, pull up my call. No, just, we, we know on, it's on deck. Just it was on your call. Quick. I'm just giving you a hard time. Just, just pull it up right now. But that well, and I'm glad you brought that up, Node, because that's something I want to talk about with our ultra special guest. We've been talking about doing <laughs> Clemente pulled up the, <laughs> the Gary V thing that Nick bought for 10,000 bucks. Anyway, we've been talking about doing this for a really long time. The day has finally come. Quite frankly, it wasn't very hard to set up. So I don't really know why as a as a unit. We have all been procrastinating this, but this is a very special edition of this show, ladies and gentlemen. It is a collab show with the gang from Rug Radio. Here we go. We got the one and only Mando, OSF, and of course, the king of Web3, Farouk. Oh, look at the Pepe <laughs> Yo, yo. <laughs> Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How are we doing? We're chilling. Yeah, glad to be here. Hell yeah! Excited, I'm a bit nervous. I'm like, oh, like all these people and stuff. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll be good. We'll just kick kicks off screen if he starts interrupting everybody. Mando, I'm so on mute, dog. I'm on mute. Mando, so nice of you. Head. So nice of you to bring the studio mic today. Thank you. I know. I know. I'm I'm traveling, so I've been. It's been a budget setup for the last couple of days for sure. This is actually the best setup that I've had in a couple of days. I, I look the, like I was in a in a dungeon the last last two. He's in the private jet hangar right now, waiting on uh, <laughs> waiting on his flight while he uh, while he another another hour, guys. He's, uh, he's officially changed his first name to Mario, so it's now. <laughs> yeah, this is Mario's headset. Uh, true story that I uh, I opened up the DMs to ask him what, what headset he uses. If it's good enough for Mario, it's good enough for me. I decided. I mean, just being outdoors and having a headset and sticking, you know, having someone point a camera at you, it just makes you incredibly legit. People want to listen to you. News people are going to say, "Who is this guy?" So I love it. Uh, Farouk, how's it been going at Rug Radio? Before we kind of dive in, I'd love to know what's going on with you guys. Listen, oh, we're, we're are you Nick's dad? Is that what it says under your name? What's going on there? Whoa, who did that? Is that Clemente or was that Jazz? Like, did someone? I don't. I, listen, I have no idea how that ended up over there. Uh, you know, but I guess I guess it is what it is. Listen, I I was looking watching the show since an hour on YouTube. You were all wearing hats, and I'm like, is this like an attire on Nifty Morning Show? So I'm I was the like, only one that wears it. Takes a shower actually on this team, which is actually one of the the. <laughs> Issues that I have um, with this show is that uh, I'm the only one that's properly washed before the show. Uh, P.O. frequently talks about professionalism. Uh, your boy wakes up and takes a shower, you know, like 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 proper humans do. I like that. I mean, I think on our end, it's uh, it's uh, it's usually Mando that does so, um, you know, right before the show. Uh, usually tends to shower like five minutes before the show. But no, we're doing good over here at Rogue Radio. Listen, we had our town hall yesterday after five weeks. You know, things are rolling. We're working. We're grinding. We've been doing it all bear market like you guys. So finally, we're doing this. I know it's crazy it took so long, but it happened. So part one, let's go. You're a turf. Let's do it. Hell yeah. And it was easy. I mean, we just made Clemente and uh, and Golden do everything. So that was pretty – it wasn't a heavy lift for any of us. 
Um, look, we, I, I want to talk to uh, the traders extraordinaire here because uh, so maybe like three, four weeks ago on this show, I brought up that I had seen a tweet, I want to say from OSF, I think it was from you, OSF, where you were talking about how you were going to maybe wait for a dip before you bought more like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I think that this was with Bitcoin at 30,000. And, and what I was thinking at that time, I was like, but isn't this also a good price on Bitcoin when we know that historically the following, you know, the cycle following the halving, it, there's always higher highs. And so our all time high at this point is 69K. But then recently I've seen some really great clips from your show and tweets from you where you're basically like, this might be the start of the next bull run. You don't want to miss it. Your downside risk is, is low versus your upside potential. Um, so I want to know what, what made that switch. And then my second part is, Aren't we early for the next bull run if you look at historical examples of the halving in crypto cycles? Yeah, it's a good question. I think since I made that comment about waiting for dips, we've had two quite significant major developments. The first one is obviously BlackRock and Fidelity filing for ETFs. And the second one is Ripple, um, I guess, at least winning some form of like preliminary yeah, stage. Beating the case, man. Beating the case. Yeah, like Gary in tears. So I think, um, I think though, for me, like those are two very, very significant things. On top of that, you've had US inflation coming at 3%. So that's like, you know, from this time last year, where it's like 9.7% all the way to 3%, which is just 1% above the Fed's target. Like that's a huge move as well. And you've had strong labor market data and stuff that people may be worried about from a rate standpoint, but it's good. Like you have lower inflation, the strong economy in the US, and you have two significant major developments for crypto. So I think, you know, like, yes, be patient, wait for dips, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes you have to recognize paradigm shifts and you have to recognize when you have a piece of information or news that is big, that will have a significant impact. And then you have to slightly change your views. And for me, that hasn't been like buying more Bitcoin. It hasn't been buying more ETH, but it's given me some comfort um, uh, and some thought into like buying things like, well, now I'm thinking about how do I outperform either? How do I outperform Bitcoin in the next cycle? And do you start Is looking it Solana? at Solana? Um, yeah. Do you, look at, do you look at Solana? I've looked at Solana for a long time. I didn't touch it and I kind of wish I did. But it, it, the, the story changes from like DCAing in a bear market to, right, do I have enough like, do I have enough things in like the high, high, high risk part of my portfolio? Which by the way, I don't think is yet NFTs, but do I have enough risk there? such that if ETH does do a 2x or a 3x next year, am I making my 10 to 25 to 50x's on the other stuff? And I think that for me is the focus. And that doesn't mean like go out there and buy like, you know, put 100% of your net worth into like some random shit coin. But it does mean, you know, do you want to have 5% or 10% of your portfolio in some riskier stuff just so you get the upside um, if, we, if we do have a real bull run? Because remember in 2021, like, we had that massive alt season and stuff was up like 100x, 200x in that time period. And if you were smart enough to buy some of it in 2020, you would have made that money. So um, I don't know if we'll see an exact repeat of that. And I may be wrong, but you want to take that shot. Like we're all here to uh, to, try, to try and make some good returns, right? And you know, if I'm wrong, whatever, it's down 20%, 30%, maybe 50 on altcoins. But if you're right, you have a good chance of making that you know, 50x or 100x, whatever it is. And I, I, I want to pay those odds right now. Well, I appreciate the response. And and you guys made like, you know, one of the most iconic trades in the NFT in NFT history, which was when you pressed a button and sold nine million bucks worth of board apes. A pretty good deal, right? Um, and is that through a fund? Do you do that through a fund? 
No, it's just Mando. It's all just Mando and I. It's all sorry, personal capital. Yeah. He was like, explain your tax structure for no, me, and, uh, and what exactly is going on there? Where, where are you avoiding taxes? Well, I'm trying. <laughs> well, look, man, Mando lives in Lisbon. No crypto tax, and in the UK, it's just twenty percent. So. Um, we're, uh, we're all right there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just trying to understand it. And so like, you know, I know you guys are ETH bulls. Do you keep that 9 million in ETH when something like that happens or do you diversify it? And then also what's your exposure to Bitcoin like? I don't know. You want to go ahead, Mando? Yeah, sure. Uh, we kept it pretty much all in ETH. I think, um, OSF like sold some for taxes, but then we kept it all in ETH at the time. Um, and then like pretty soon afterwards, it was all that regional banking crisis stuff. So it got a little bit hairy, but we held it throughout that. And then to be honest, like just what Obi said, like we feel in that stages of a market cycle, we think we're kind of heading towards the disbelief stage, like the slow rise and people being like, you know, this is a fool's rally. You know, you won't trap me all this sort of crap. Um, and this is just the time that we've, I guess over the last couple of months, we've dialed it up from just ETH to a few more like degenerate plays i would say so like we got i don't know just owning spot eth maybe that's not very degenerate or, um for for some people i would say that's like maybe six or seven but maybe for people outside of crypto they might be like that's like 10 inside of crypto i think that's seen as i don't know kind of mild i think over the last over the last month or two we've dialed it up to kind of nine let's say we're not a full-blown degenerate but like we think that we think we're at the foothills of what could be the start of a bull market and i think I think that can also you might have until the end of the year to like put the risk on. It doesn't feel like ETH tomorrow is going to go to 3K. It just feels as though a lot of the narratives that could sustain a bull market, I think, are still around. And there's not that many people, which just feels like the start of a bull market. Like that feels good because you know that some of these are not they're not raging um, bull markets at this stage. Did, did you guys buy a bunch of uh, Rollbit? Yeah, you went max deep on Rollbit token. <laughs> So, funnily enough, we deposited all 72 apes into Rollbit, and they gave you um, they gave you some coin. They gave you equivalent of, like, I think 10,000 or 100,000 tokens for each ape that you deposited back then. So, at yeah. one stage, we had, like, 7.2 million Rollbit tokens. <laughs> um, and then it, we used it, some of it, on, the, on their, like, on their... On there, they have like an in, in Lost internal like thing, staking yeah. thing. So we actually have far fewer. Le we still have like millions, but um, yeah, we we do have a decent amount of Robert token. Good to hear. And I, I definitely want to talk to Farouk about NFT trading in just a sec because I think Farouk is kind of a slept on savvy NFT trader specifically. But just one more thing on the timing of the cycle. You know, you, you guys are speculating that this might be the start of the next bull run. You know, n the cycles aren't identical, right? So last time we saw some new things. We saw uh, the mid-cycle bear market. We saw a lower all-time high, like a, a less significant blow-off top on like Bitcoin and Ethereum specifically. Um, you know, we also had the black swan of Event of the crypto drop in, I want to say, March 2020. This next halving is uh, expected to come in April 2024. The previous halving, if I recall correctly, was in May 2020. So it's right on the same schedule. Does this, like, how important is this to you guys? Do you not care? Are you looking at other things compared to that? Because you know that you know that this stuff is going to be different every time. So you don't want to be married to the previous patterns. I think. Um... I think it could be similar to the last pattern. And even though 
the last halving was in whatever May 2020. We didn't really see like the real rally until the huge rally until 2021, right? Yeah. But you know, I, you want to be in a position that like, I felt like when I came into the first time I ever bought crypto was January 2021, and when I was looking at altcoins and stuff in 2021, I was like, man, like I want to buy this stuff, but it's already up 500, like you know, 500 percent or already up a thousand percent, two thousand percent, whatever it is. Like I feel like I'm late to the party. Um, whereas now I feel like we're ahead of that, right? We're, we're before that. And so I want to be in a position where when we get to that point, which I do think, I just think the real rally is going to be 2024 after the halving or, or into the halving. I don't think it's going to be this year. And um, I think we'll end the year higher than where we are now, but we're not going to see like the mega crazy rallies that we saw, um, until next year. I want to be in a position where like, I actually already bought that stuff when it's doing that a thousand percent, two thousand percent. So I don't have to be like, oh, do I want to buy here or not? I can make the decision as to whether I want to sell or not. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, yeah, I think it's the start of the bull cycle, but that shouldn't be conflated with next week all our bags are going to do like a 10x or next month our bags are going to do a 10x. It's going to be, you know, kind of flat. You'll have dips, you'll have opportunities to buy, but I think you want to, it's like you're building this position, building this portfolio that you're happy with. So when we get into the middle of the bull run, um, rather than the beginning, you can actually benefit from the gains and then decide where to take profits and and be in a, in a, in a much stronger position. Well, OSF, I got a question for you. So, because... Yeah. I feel like my, I, I can, I, I'm good at finding bags and buying bags, but then I struggle with the conviction to hold it to, right? Because it's not just finding the next 1,000x or, or, or 100x. It's buying it and then holding it to 100x. So like in 2021, I bought Matic for like 20 cents. I put in like 10 or 20 grand and it went to 60 cents. And I'm like, dude, this is amazing. And then I just remember the pain of watching it go all the way to $3 before we had that like 2021 crash so do you got how do you guys look at you know when when do you figure out the right time to sell right that's half the game it's not just buying it's holding until the right time to sell when do you press the button and get nine million dollars for your apes <laughs> i think i think yeah go ahead Michael. No, i was gonna say like weirdly i think us doing it together helped like and even ovi like he tries to create a barrier between himself and like the, the like his ledger or wherever he wants to transact because he doesn't want to be able to touch it. You know, you don't want to get trigger like trigger happy and be like, oh, it's up fifty percent today. I made so much. I'll just take a little bit of profit. You kind of want to like make sure it's going to be a bit of an effort for you to have to do that with those bags. You're like, right, I want to own this through the next cycle because it's so going to be. It's not just having the ledger. You go bury it yeah. like in your backyard, <laughs> exactly. like, feet down. You really got to put in some effort to go sell. But genuinely, like me doing it with Ovi. Like that created that right. We have to sit down and discuss what we're going to do. You know, like it, it it created that extra bit of just we couldn't be trigger happy with some of this stuff. Like we discuss everything we do because we do it together. And I'm not saying everyone should just partner up and find a friend to do it, but I think having that idea that you will, if you don't have those sort of barriers, you don't have that person second guessing your decision making, even if it's yourself, then um, you're going to overtrade. You're 100 percent going to overtrade. For some of these bags that you could own for like three, five years. I would say um, something that's important is like every cycle, like write down on a piece of paper what the mistakes you were, were that you made and what you think you could do better. And for me, like prior to this cycle, it was like, well, I didn't buy the dip. I was, I was too scared. So this time around, that was my main focus. I was like, buy the dip, DCA, make sure I do that. And then for the last time, a mistake that I made, I, I did it again this time with with Pepe. Like I, um, like I had one, <laughs> I put in... I probably fumbled about 20 million bucks from Pepe because I sold after 3X and, and bought it early. But th that mistake that I've made a few times now is selling too early. And that's because I haven't set myself a game plan. I haven't been like, um, 
this is where I'm going to sell 10%, this is where I'm going to sell 20%, this is where I'm going to sell 30%. So what I've done for myself here, so I don't repeat that mistake, is like set myself levels of when I'm going to make the next sale, um, how much I'm going to sell, what percentage, and then make sure I have a ladder all the way up so I don't just sell the whole thing in one go, which is what I've done in the past, um, and stick to it. The most important thing is to stick to it. If you don't stick to it and if you deviate, then you're, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice. So for me, like next cycle, that's the thing I really want to work on. It's like just being disciplined to piece out of my position. Because I'm such an all or nothing guy, but piece out percentage wise at certain levels, stick to it. Um, and, and I think that's the way to do it. And for, yeah, it should be the same for you, Kicks. Like that should be your thing that you're working on for, for, for this cycle as well. Amen. <laughs> so, Obi, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sig. Yeah. And then yeah, I'll go no, to no, hey, is, um, I saw you tweeting earlier this year um, about getting into art and getting into the high end. Saw you buying, I think it was some punks. Adenzas you bought as well. I've seen that you're now in Sam Spratt. How you think, so, you know, we've talked about how you're thinking about tokens. How are you thinking about positioning yourself for the art market going into the next bull? I do, th- I really, something that I still feel very strongly about NFTs and art is we are six years into this digital age uh, movement and, you know, the art market appreciates in weird ways that no one can sometimes can sometimes explain and it still prevents a massive, massive opportunity, but it's just different to tokens because it's less liquid and things move slower and it takes a bit longer to play out. But I'm just like, I really like the stuff that I've collected. And I think it's a kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity to collect things that could represent pieces of history or pieces of culture. And you know, that's why I bought a Fidenza, I bought a Punk, I bought an Autoglyph, um, I bought an ACK piece and the Sam Strap piece. I'm a huge fan of, of, of those guys as well. But I just feel like, you know, I bought stuff that I just want to own really and hopefully never have to sell, but levels get to certain levels and sometimes you do sell um but you know these are like these are things that i think are really really iconic to not only the nft market but just to digital art and i think they will have a strong place as um you know in the history of digital and the history of nfts and and that's why i want to buy them and you know like if i was like if i came today i was like what what can i make the most money on that's most liquid it wouldn't be this stuff and i think i've been in a fortunate position where i've had some profits to roll into it um but uh, yeah, I think, you know, for, for, for those who have more ETH to spend and bigger wallets, I think this really is like a once in a lifetime or once in a decade opportunity to buy pieces that could really be iconic um, that you can say you're kind of like proud to own in, in, in a few years. And, and I want to ask Farouk a question about, you know, trading NFTs in just a sec, but just one follow up on this. When I look at that list of the art pieces that you acquired, I see a lot of the names uh, that I typically see when I talk to people that are full time operating on the art side of the market as, you know, the artists that are favored by the space. So I think you made really, really strong buys, you know, Sam Spratt, Tyler Hobbs, uh, CryptoPunks, obviously, and some of the other names. I didn't see Beeple on there. Do you have any exposure to Beeple? Because my understanding is in the trad art world, Beeple is still heavily favored. I need to I need to own some Beeple. Like I uh, I chat to him quite a lot. He's just a great fucking dude and I love his art. Like it's literally right up my street. So I have zero reason why I don't own any Beeple pieces. So definitely something I want to change. There you go. Uh, yeah, this one was pretty... Me and, <laughs> me and Farouk were on a call when this one came out. It's pretty damn funny. I love that. Um, Farouk, you know, we, we went through a stat on the show. I think it was yesterday. It was yesterday or the day before that 90% of people that bought NFTs in the past 30 days are down one ETH. So almost like 2000 us dollars, uh, if they bought in the past month, whether realized or unrealized. So it's a, it's a tough time to give 
a sales pitch to someone that doesn't buy NFTs that it's a good time to buy NFTs. How have you been operating? Because I think a lot of people might not, uh, you know, process because you you do so much with media and with, um, you know, you're just so well known in the space. They don't know that you're like a really savvy trader, in my opinion. How have you been operating when it comes to NFT trading? Dude, I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been like trading NFTs um, in a long time uh, for, for, for obvious reasons. I got kind of tired of it and I didn't see much upside in it either versus like the headache that comes associated to it. Uh, somehow when you buy and sell ERC-20s, you're cool, right? It's fine, right? So, uh, but 721 is a little different. So oh, yeah. I have kind of been, kind of been stepping inside, but also I, I know there's a bunch of opportunity in the space at the moment and some NFT trades have probably been very good for people, but it's just too much, um, too much work to, to, to be on top of it. I would say just right now in this market, it's been a good time to like, for example, when Nakamigos, that was a good trade for the people who were early, but you could have seen it coming almost. Like I remember being in Nakamigos space for fun, like 0.02 and they didn't pull the trigger, but I still found it hilarious. And that ended up being kind of fruitful for people who bought it. I think it went to what? 0.9 or something. Um, but I'm mostly focused right now on the coins as well. Like I think it's the Mando and OSF effect, uh, probably, but you know, it's uh, I've I've heavily been copy trading my co-hosts uh, <laughs> on very obvious um, you know tokens. Uh, Coins are sitting- easier, like you said. You know, it's easy to get in and out. You don't get flamed when you sell either. You don't. You, don't. <laughs> you can just do your thing, and there's no hassle, and it's more liquid. Uh, but you know, there's when it comes to NFT trades, I've just been like staying away from it, just because like I'm honestly like a little scarred. Like even like when you look at the portfolio for NFTs, like, you know, I ran up a portfolio to like mid eight figure, uh, mid five, mid seven figures. Sorry, I wish in mid eight, <laughs> mid seven figures in 2021 with just $3,000 investment in crypto that I made in January 2021, right? It was my first time I bought uh, Ether Bitcoin. And like, and then after seeing it like collapse like that and then seeing teams fumble after fumble from the founder's perspective here, you get a little tired of it. So if anything, double down on our own assets. Like Mando and Seth and I have probably accumulated like thirteen hundred rock radio NFTs over the last <laughs> over the last six months. Um, I know they've been buying back a bunch of rec guys as well. So that's pretty much the like the play has just been kind of like double downing on ourselves. So I did the same thing. I'm trying to figure what? out though, not that I want to sell right now, but like what what how can we even exit that position? Like where where like I feel like I already have a position, which is like, I got to get the company like acquired at some point, but am I being just a complete fool by by like acquiring it? That I obviously I have immense conviction in ourselves, which is why I end up buying it. But then I'm like, wait, hold on. You're just kind of locked into this position. Talk about like not being able to, to click the button. Like, Nick, remember in the bull run when you bullied me because I didn't have enough nifty portals? And so you made, I, I bought 20 more at the literal top of ETH and <laughs> NFT market. Uh, just that you wouldn't make fun of me. And okay. Well, I don't know if I, I was bullying you at the peak top of the me. price. Yeah. You were like, oh, Nick, by the way, check the chain. Looks like you don't care about this as much as PO and I do. <laughs> Um, well, well, I, I gave mean, away all mine. I've given away like 25 grand worth of our NFT, which I don't regret at all, but it, it's a lot of money to get. I don't yeah. give away $25,000 normally. It's not like my everyday thing, but, uh, but Hey, I, I I've done it. Um, well, I gave it to Gary V. So that's what I did with mine. <laughs> so that was a pretty good, uh, approach. And, and, uh, I've done that repeatedly. So that was a good, uh, I mean, at least. He, I know he was struggling for a bit there, and so I'm glad that I was able to. Yeah, you, you uh, propped con- him up. Contrib- 
contribute to the cause and keep them afloat. Uh, well, one thing Farouk brought up is, you know, the the difference between trading tokens versus NFTs. And, you know, uh, OSF, you brought up buying these fine art pieces. We were just talking about it with Node. I think Node might have might have dipped. But basically, um, I wonder if we get blow off tops the way people are expecting on Bitcoin and ETH. And I mean, with this ETF stuff, I feel like we might return to the real blow off tops, right? I feel like NFTs got the blow off top when you look at January 2022 and the volume on NFTs there. That's kind of where the crypto blow off top went but if it if it does kind of come back to bitcoin and ethereum how do you think that that impacts the pricing of these nfts like it almost makes me feel like it's a hard case to make to spend you know 30 ethereum on a single nft because if ethereum goes to nine thousand dollars that's so much money and it's just going to be hard for the nfts to keep up especially since the novelty of NFTs, it's already been experienced where they were cool. You know, Farouk was talking, Farouk made a comment in, in a call I had with him the other day where he was like, uh, yeah, that was back when NFTs were cool. So I was getting tickets to, you know, go to like this concert because I was an NFT guy and stuff like that. That ain't happening anymore, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not getting, you know, uh, <laughs> like Tiesto tickets because I'm an NFT guy. So how do you think about that kind of the difference between the underlying token like ETH versus the NFT prices long term? That, I mean, that really is the, the age-old question. What happens to NFT prices when ETH goes up? What happens to NFT prices when ETH goes down? Um, my view is you have two different effects. You have this effect of like the opportunity cost of, of your ETH. So it's like um, if ETH is rising 5 or 10% every day, you're like, shit, I want to own ETH because it's going up in dollars, so I want to sell my NFTs. The other effect you have is this thing called the wealth effect. So if ETH does like a 2x or a 3x, and you're like, man, like I'm rich. like I've got all this money. <laughs> Yeah. What do I want to spend it on? I want to go out there and buy a fucking zombie punk or go out there and buy a Fidenza yeah. or something that I can flex to show people that I've done so well in this market, right? That's the wealth effect. So I think the reality is like for local moves, for like a one-day big move in ETH or one week or maybe even one month, you'll see NFT prices go lower. That's just generally seems to be the case. But if you get ETH back to 5K and beyond, I think the initial move is NFT prices lower in ETH, but then people start spending that ETH because... They just want, you know, you when you have more disposable income, you go out there and buy things you like. And at the end of the day, I think people do want to collect NFTs. And, and that's why I think like the high end stuff is is good stuff to own because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go out there and buy an autoglyph because I want to flex that I own one of these iconic pieces or a Denzo or a punk. Um, you know, you could even probably put like rare apes in that bucket as well, which I think are interesting now at, at current prices. But um, that's what I think happens. And I'm, I may be wrong. Like, who knows? The, the market's still very nascent to, to really judge um what you know how things will move and, and what it will do and i think the other thing you have to bear in mind is like it's not just a, a function of the first order of price movements of eth it's the second order so it's eth volatility so if eth moves up or down really quickly in a very short space of time people are like oh, i don't want to touch nfts i don't know what's going on here i just want to not do anything but if it's like a gradual movement then it gives time to like normalize and people can act so you know that's another factor to consider but the answer is it's not you know it's not a, an easy answer and we'll have to see what happens this time around but my gut is, you know, if we get back to 5K, it will take a bit of time um, and then people will start buying NFTs again, which is why I think the NFT rally will just be later. It'll be delayed to, to the crypto rally. Yeah, I mean, I think you're thinking through it in a in a really fascinating way. You know, Clemente put into the call sheet uh, a topic, which is Skulls of Lucy. So this is Sam Spratt. 
I think it's really interesting, uh, you know, the steady rise of Sam Spratt in, on the fine art side of the NFT space, of the, the digital art world. He's been, you know, someone told me that he's basically like a top three artist at this point in terms of, you know, the traditional art world's interest in NFTs. Looks like last week, Snowfro traded two chromie squiggles and a CryptoPunk for a Skull of Lucy. Seems like Skull of Lucy is becoming like the signal that you are a fine art collector. It can be used as a profile picture, which is NFT native as well. Um, what inspired you guys to get exposure to Sam Spratt? I, th I think Sam is one of the most talented artists within the crypto art space right now. I think obviously like his technical work is amazing and it's brilliant and his pieces are so intricate, but he is such a brilliant storyteller and the skulls of Lucy and all the different chapters of Lucy, everything that he's created so far um, has a story behind it. And it's a story that hasn't finished being told. Um, and I think what you guys will see with the skulls of Lucy, there's, there's going to be more to the story later on this year. I think Sam has an, an amazing plan and, and everything here is like, it's been very intricately planned over the course of weeks and months and, and possibly even years. I don't know how long Sam's had, had, had these ideas in his head before. Um, but it's, it's super interesting. I just think, you know, part of buying art is storytelling and getting, you know, lost in like some kind of amazing tale that someone is telling and just wanting to feel and be a part of it. And, and that's how I felt with Sam's art. Um, and I think he's one of, I think he's one of few artists that really do that so effectively at such a high level, to be honest with you. Like I can't think of anyone else. I mean, maybe like pack in the bull market was like, Oh, I want to be, everyone's like, I want to be part of this. And they got rugs and, you know, maybe Jack Butcher is another example. Everyone wants to be a part of what he's doing and um, and be involved in it. It feels interactive. And I think I think that's what Sam's going to be achieving with this. Um, and that, you know, that was the, the reason for it, really. Yeah, I mean, it's super, it's super cool stuff. Um, you know, since we have you guys and, and you guys were, you know, TradFi traders for such a long time, I'd love to ask about just the, the current, you know, situation from a macro perspective. I listen to a lot of different podcasts on this. You know, we have the Bitcoin show on Tuesday where I get the opportunity to, you know, talk with people that are a lot smarter than me when it comes to all things, you know, finance and macro. And it's hard for me to to make my to come to a conclusion. I mean, obviously it's hard for everybody, but it's it, like when I think about what's going on right now from a macro perspective, we see stocks nearing all-time highs again. We saw Bitcoin uh, rally, you know, a bunch this year and, and crypto rallying. Obviously, NFTs are basically at their bottom. Um, but, you know, the the Fed has rates extremely high. They've, you know, people are speculating that they're going to continue to hike rates. What do you make of where we're at? Like, do you think markets are forward-looking and, and markets expect a bounce back? And so, uh, you know, you shouldn't expect a big pullback again. Like, I'd love to know maybe, Mando, how you're thinking about the macro environment right now. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. So macro, I think that's part of the reason why we got so bullish, if I'm honest. Like, um, I, I think this rally that I think we're about to see, I think we're about to smash through all-time highs in S&P and NASDAQ. I, I think... This feels more like we would call it a technical rally in that everyone was predicting that we'd either see a recession um, or a big slowdown in growth. Um, and it looks to me like we are going to, to, to go back slightly. We, although stocks are near their all-time high, they've been generally driven by seven stocks. Um, it's most of the stocks you would have heard, like Tesla, Google, Facebook. They call them the Magnificent Seven. It's kind of the new term for the fangs. I don't know if you remember that term. Mm -hmm. um, 
<laughs> Netflix, but, Netflix was in Fang. What do you think of that? Yeah, it, it didn't make the Magnificent Seven. So Netflix <laughs> is, is out of is out of it, which is why it's it's uh, that changed the name. So those those are the stocks which have driven pretty much all of the performance. A lot of it's been the AI narrative, but there's been a few other like um, bounce backs just in like cash or things like Facebook. I think what you'll see now is a big move towards growth stocks. So most of the rest of the S and P has actually not had a great not had an amazing year it's had a, a great uh, last two weeks but it's nowhere near the performance of the other stocks um in fact most of them are trading below their their average pe ratio they are trading in a, a kind of a depressed market what i think you'll see now is a movement away from maybe even short-term tech stocks like it does feel like some of those are overbought into a more broad-based rally so you'll see a rally across the s p which is what you've seen over the last week and the Russell, like which is like uh, the thousand uh, highest stocks. So I think you're about to see a much broader base rally in in, in growth stocks or in just the the, the belly of, of 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 the stock market. Um, and I think that's going to be incredibly painful because if I'm honest, I think everyone was positioned um, already. You always everyone's always slightly un, um, underinvested, but I think during this. Uh, this move, you had a lot of underinvestment in stocks. You could get four or five percent from a money markets fund or from a savings account, maybe slightly lower in a savings account. But a lot of people moving to cash or they moved to bonds. And I think what you'll see in the bond market is just like kind of a just a coupon-like return. You'll get like three to five percent. And I think people are now going to FOMO move into stocks. And I, that's what I think. I think this, this is going to be the painful rally. You know, I have like the most hated rally. This feels like it because I think some people are underinvested. I, I bought tw- uh, a big stack of Roblox yesterday, so that's uh, you're making me feel a lot better about and, it. It's down five percent right now, so I lost. <laughs> oh, really? And yeah. Nate, though, you you got to move your phone away from your microphone. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Is is Nick? Is that what I, I saw? Nick coming in, going out. I, I couldn't tell if Nick wanted to ask a question. Was that it, Nick? Three. <laughs> no, that's it. The stock the stock thing though was interesting. I did see that chart with the. Um, with how the tech stocks are basically the the sole part of the rally at this point, where it was up like twenty per, or some some insane percentage relative to uh, all non tech stocks, which were up four yeah. percent, I think, or three percent since the beginning of the year. Uh, but uh, the S and P and Nasdaq and everything else are now heavily uh, weighted by tech stocks. So, and I mean, Apple's like a huge chunk of that, I think, at this point. It's some insane percentage of the uh, of the S and P. Apple's like two, two and a half trillion dollars, right? Like it's, it's absolutely insane how, how like how, how much Apple is worth. So yeah. I think now you're going to see a, a more healthy, um, I don't know, you would call it a soft landing move. Like the growth narr- narrative is back, or at least like the, the lack of recession narrative is back in the US. What that means for crypto, it, I mean, we're three to 5% off the all-time highs in stocks and um, crypto is still down like, 40 50 percent so we have we have underperformed that move now like we've had some big structural blow-ups and some of the, the like major exchanges and i think it's going to take a while for us to hit like all-time highs in in this sort of stuff um i think we're still probably at least 24 months away from that in my opinion but i do think that ETH could really start moving uh i do think bitcoin could really start moving maybe like 40k but uh, over the next 12 months or the next six months on on, on bitcoin 40 to 50k and then maybe three to four k on eth would be i think is i think it's achievable but i think it's you, you first get this fomo rally into stocks and then people look at crypto under performance and i still think yeah that that's that's why i think we're at the foothills of it because you're still able to get into crypto's kind of been ranging for the last month even with stocks hitting new all-time highs and if i'm a cross like a cross asset pm 
I'm I'm thinking right. Well, why is crypto lag so much? Like these are strong narratives even for crypto, particularly with things like the Bitcoin ETF, the the XRP ruling. Like I I think, and th- this is me just guessing, but I think like this is why we're at the foothills of it, and this is the time where you can accumulate before it gets crowded. Mando, when you say you're at, like we're at the foothills in terms of like the narrative of a market opening up, when you're talking when when uh, Obi was alluding to. Um, the narrative of having like ETFs come in and, you know, the big players getting licenses. Do you see this as like akin to when the bond market opened up in the 80s in terms of getting those like exponential growth over a 10-year period? So the the actual, if you look at like the gold ETF, right? So I think the gold ETF only has like a few hundred, hundred billion um, uh, of assets under management, all the gold ETFs. And the, the market cap of gold is something like 13 or 14 trillion. So it's actually much like, and that's that we can compare that to Bitcoin. It probably means the Bitcoin ETF only has, we're probably talking like 20 to 50 billion AUM um, at current prices, right? It's not like, oh my God, this is, this is going to, but they're going to buy all our Bitcoin. That's, that's kind of, it's, it could be quite small, 20 to 40, 20 to 50 billion size versus a market cap of all of crypto at one, 1.3 trillion. It's kind of small, but it, the narrative does change then. Um, and it can be a multi-year narrative that gets like retail investors back involved. Personally, I, I, I still think, I, I, I believe in utility for blockchains. Like I, I believe that that is not just a Bitcoin narrative. I think I think some of the some of the, the actual utilities of, of ETH will come through. Um, I think that you need a narrative. If it was NFTs, if it was DeFi last last time, I think you need a new narrative of, of functionality for ETH to really go parabolic. But I do think you'll start to see that. You've started to see some of the tokenization of real-world assets over the last six months, particularly in the bond market, but also some other, um, even with NFTs, you're starting to see, like again, the foothills of that. I think you can build some pretty strong narratives around that. And and you don't really need that much utility um, uh, as a, users for ETH to stop burning, right? Like they, I don't know how they got away with burning this much ETH, but it's like, it's kind of nuts in a bull market when you actually consider how much could, could get burned. Um, if you could just consider that ETH is like the casino and you just need some utilities on top of it to get it to, to, you know, be burning it, they are just going to, I think ETH could really move in a bull market, really, really move. Well, spoken like a true ETH bull, uh, can't say I'm surprised, but I love to hear that. And it's very interesting to think about the burn mechanic. <laughs> is, that, is that disappointing for you, Mia? Mia's <laughs> like spoken like a true ETH bull, doesn't realize that Bitcoin <laughs> is the only coin that matters. But spoken like a true ETH bull. <laughs> no, I like Bitcoin too. I, I own some Bitcoin, if, uh, but I am more ETH. What's the ticker? Yeah, exactly. The new one. <laughs> um, real quick, so we have a, a fun game that Clemente and Golden have prepared for us. I'm very excited to get into this in just a minute. Before we do, I we touched, I mean, we talked about all finance, macro, trading stuff. I want to ask Farouk, from a social media perspective, so Farouk, you've been in social media professionally, uh, I think probably since you were like in high school, like well over a decade at this point. What do you make of what's going on now? We got threads coming out on the Facebook side, TikToks, still hanging around. It seems like it's getting weirder and weirder, but it's hanging around. Um, Twitter, Elon bought Twitter. It's kind of a dumpster fire. I mean, dude, I feel like if I walk around in Brooklyn right now and I ask people if they know what Twitter spaces is, it's going to be like two out of a hundred that have actually heard of Twitter spaces. What do you think, like where, where are we going with this stuff? And, and what do you think will be the dominant social media platform, you know, for web three and just in general moving forward? 
it's a tough one, right? Because like you said, every time there's a new platform, we kind of want to you know, beat our heads against the wall as uh, people, as creators, like, damn it, another platform, <laughs> more work, more content, more clips, more everything. So it's a hassle. Uh, look, it still seems like th- I like threads for a moment. I was, I was hooked onto it, you know, writing on it and stuff. I haven't been on there in two, three days now. I think it's telling because I'm the type of person when there's a new platform, it's worth it. I go all in, like all clubhouse, like, Twitter spaces. Yeah. I'll just like, I'll, I'll literally stop things just for that. Right. And, uh, and so I did that. First couple of weeks, but now with Europe, you know, it's still banned in the EU, right? And until you have like Instagram's big in the EU, right? When you go to conference and like, and even NFT, Web3 crypto conferences in Europe, I go, yo, show me your Twitter. They show me their IG, right? Like literally, like most people- They don't have Twitter. They have, or or they just, whatever, right? It's like their second thought, third thought. Whereas like Instagram's like the thing, yo, what's your IG? What's your IG? It's like the main thing. And even in Normie, you know, with for Normies, like it's still heavily your Instagram, but Normies are still not, you know, hooked onto NFTs, let alone crypto. And we got to get them into crypto before we get them into NFTs, right? So you're right about the spaces comment. Look, I think it's good to build a very, very solid base here. Like we're all doing here. I think, you know, it goes without saying Nifty Portal Rogue Radio, we're at the forefront of that uh, every single day. But still important to build a base somewhere else. You know, for me, like, I just like, I'd just be cruising on Twitter and, and Instagram for now. Of course, we're pushing YouTube hard like you guys, but there's not a solution. And I don't think we're ready yet to move on to a Web3 native platform because there's no one there. So if we go there, we're going to be in the eco chamber of eco chambers, right? Blue Sky was that. I know Nick was like making fun of that early on. And he's right, right? It's like Blue Sky was that. It was like the eco chamber of the eco chamber, right? Yeah. So until we're like fully mass adopted, like, you know, there's like, you know, crypto is at a $10 trillion market cap. And like, you know, like there's all these ETFs and, you know, we have the next bull run. We're not going to be moving to any other platform soon. So for now, you can just have to suck it up and keep growing on here. Uh, I do think that Twitter has this magic touch though. Like there's something about Twitter, even though it's annoying, even though spaces breaks all the time, even though it's like not even one tenth as good as the tech as Clubhouse has or had or still has, but I wish they would get acquired already. Uh, you know, we, we're still on here for a reason. Like there's something that just draws the conversation back to Twitter, no matter the bots, no matter everything. So it's weird. I know it's not perhaps the answer people wanted, but we we're just all over the place like everybody else trying to figure it out day after day. It's like we're going to have to wait it out, I think. I think uh, we already know where the ne- where everybody's going, and it's called Threads, man. Threads <laughs> is where all of that activity is going. There's no doubt. There's no chance of failure for Facebook with uh, cloning Twitter, and uh, that's where all of our live shows will be on the next bull run. Well, there I, I we have audio spaces over there, right? Like they have the tech. So when when Clubhouse came out and disrupted live social audio, Facebook, like the actual Facebook app, had a live social audio tool that Mark Zuckerberg went on that first day. And after a week, they sunset it. Uh, didn't even last a week, I think. So they have the tag. But I think I would, it's, you know. it's time to start shorting Facebook at this point because the, <laughs> the, the market is too bullish on Facebook. They see him. Uh, they see Zuckerberg uh, MMA doing MMA. Fighting. They see they, that like all the articles about threads are literally these like glowing like reviews of, of that. Like Twitter has died. It is over. This is like two days after the stock, or sorry, after the product is released. And you're just like, and, and, and they're like, there's 10 million people now. And it's like, bro, you have a billion people or 3 billion people on your platform. I hope you can get 10 million people to convert uh, to one of your new products. But I, I just, the, the, the overall media commentary on it is just absolutely ludicrous. And it's so overblown. And also what I've noticed is a lot of people days after the first 
two days or 48 hours of people being like checking out this new thing, like basically the engagement just like fell off a cliff and, and, and people were like, oh, wait, people aren't on threads every day. The, the comments of people that were on threads was also hilarious. It was like, this is so much better. This is, oh my God, this is so much better. The conversation, the connections that I'm making here are so much better. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're, 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 have you ever walked into a party and you're, and you're just like, oh man, every party I've been at before this was shit. And now I have finally reached the party where I have met the truest of people in my life. Thank God for all people would be like, yo, someone needs to get that guy out of here. I don't know what like the, I don't know what the situation, like, is he on drugs? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but you'd get, you'd get kicked out of, uh, of that party for behavior. It's always like, better the first day, right? Like it's always so much better the first day because all your best friends are on there and you're able to like connect with people like that you don't see on here. Cause it's really algorithm kind of, kind of blows on Twitter. Well, right? then the cocaine high starts getting worse, right? <laughs> like on the second day of that party, right? Like you're starting so slowly thinking like, whoa maybe I'm now actually drug addict and this wasn't about the party. And that's what's going on there with threads basically is everybody is drug addicts. But you know what's crazy is that, and the reason why it's just not, we're not going to be able to get off Twitter is like the Twitter crowd is not moving on threads. And there's also this thing with like, like this privacy concern for most crypto users. So they're never going to go to threads or anything Zuck ever comes out with. Never. I know people that refuse to even use WhatsApp or any meta group app, right? They, they won't do it, right? I mean, the EU banned it. So it's like, you, it, that's not going to happen. And the, 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 the threads people, they're not coming to Twitter. They hate Twitter already. So it's like, for us, on the media standpoint, I'm sure you can relate. It's like, well, it's just more work. This is a hassle. Like, if people could stop fighting and dropping new apps uh, every other month, it would be really good and help me uh, a lot from a business standpoint because I can't keep up anymore. Like, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. A lot. I mean, we feel you on that. And uh, we're going to get into this game. Guess that collection. I don't know if Nick likes that title. Nick always gives Clemente a hard time about the titles of segments. Well, it's, it's better than price go up or down. <laughs> it's sliced 17 different ways. Which, which Look at how unhappy Clemente is not amused at all. I just want to show his face real quick. <laughs> Dude, I, I got the seahorse ready to go. You bet. <laughs> Um, anyway, anyway, um, real quick though, we brought up MMA. A lot of people probably don't know that OSF, our very own OSF here on the show has multiple boxing bouts under his belt. He's gotten busy in there. He's danced. He's had dance partners in the ring. OSF, I've seen some people on the, on NFT Twitter. I'm not going to name names, but I think you can tell who's positioning themselves to try to sell tickets for a boxing match. And I feel like it makes a lot of sense and we're going to see it. Uh, would you do a promoted boxing match with someone on NFT and crypto Twitter for the right price? Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would love to. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm, I'm an opponent. I'm an opponent, guys. I mean, yo, 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 Clemente, let, let my screen up one second. Let my screen up. Have you seen oh! this? Oh! Have you seen this? This guy okay. getting busy. That's my Yo, he's 9.3% body fat right now. 9.3% body fat. You already know. Whoever wants in, let's go. Yeah. I, I, I just like the feeling... I'm so sorry. sorry, kicks. I say, I would be able to get the feeling that you're the kind of person who would do chess boxing just to like take it to the next yeah. level. You'd be like, beat the shit out of someone, and then I'm going to show you how smart I am by doing checkmate and then go back to physically beating the shit out of you. I remember chess boxing was a big thing in London at one point. 
Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I like I love playing chess and I've been meaning to try out chess boxing for a long time. I'm so I haven't, I haven't yet, but you yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what, my money's on OSF versus basically anyone unless they're an actual legit boxer because uh, I suck at boxing. Literally, fun fact, yesterday was the first time I ever got any positive feedback in any boxing class. Usually it's just like you're doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong, you know? Um, so my money's on OSF. I have a lot of respect hey, for people that train. Right. Pio came over after and shared that story. Pio loves sharing this story that he got a, a positive affirmation inside of the gym from from somebody, as though I even un, I don't understand you. You were like, you know what I'm saying, or something like that when you're sharing this story, and I'm like, no, I have no idea. Like, I don't like if the train. I don't give a shit what a trainer tells me I, I, other than like, don't do that. Cause you're, cause uh, you're imagine Nick, if you showed up to something every day, you're coding, you know, you're, you're, you're coding with a coach and you, every time it's just, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Do it different. I, I, thought, I thought you guys were talking about chest boxing with a T like you just punch each <laughs> other. And, I heard that too. And I was like, I mean, that's cool. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. Like maybe you don't want head trauma from a lot of headshot, but no chess as in the board game. As in, as in the board game, yeah, the famous board you game. Like, you make a move like knight to d4, and then you just punch him right in the fucking face. And whoever wins first wins. That's how, that's how, that's how it goes. I like it's it. Legit sport. There's like world championships and everything. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty legit thing. Uh, <laughs> it clearly... Witters is triggered that I uh, that I questioned Christopher Nolan. We got an Inception and Interstellar fangirl here. Thanks for showing your true colors, Witters. Clemente, can you lay us up an intro for Guess That Collection, the fun game that we're about to play with the gang from Rogue Radio? fun game. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have uh, – rules are super simple. Pio's going to – I'm going to share the screen of a historical floor price chart of a mystery collection. Pio is going to read out uh, three different clues, and each clue kind of gets Wait, more and more revealing over time. They're all the same chart, dude. <laughs> all the charts <laughs> just go down. It's a spike and then down. That's literally every NFT chart. But, Nick, that's like going to, like, a ski resort. Like, they all go downhill, but, you know, like, some have different slopes. Okay. okay, well, cool. part of the clues are, hey, this minted an X day. That's what the clues are for. So, um, okay. anyways, first to guess the collection, right? Gets a point. We got 11 rounds of this thing. So uh, whoever's winning by the end of this will win. And if there's a tie, we got a special lightning round on the weekend. 11 rounds. Pio, can you stand up that long? <laughs> no. No, I can't. <laughs> so, Clemente, are we kicking it off? I'm, I'm ready to rumble. And then if you're listening on Twitter, we also have a thread pinned where you can play along with us with each round as we progress. There we go. Let's rock and roll. So, uh, Clemente, do you want to serve us up? Yeah, here we go. Uh, Pio, you can just read out the, the clues as we go on. I'll just share the charts. All right, round one. The the collection is... No, just kidding, Clemente. You thought I was about to say it. The clues are, these minted in March 2022. They reached an all-time high of, get this, 6.35 Ethereum in May 22. That's a pretty penny at that time. They're goblins. Sorry? Goblins? No, no. They have a... The go goblins went higher than that. No. I, I like the early guess halfway through the first clue, though, Mando. That was confident. Um, they have a... May 22, <laughs> they have a current floor price of 0.35 ETH. They've recorded 620,000 ETH in all-time volume, largely due to blur farming. Uh, collection is known for being a companion secondary collection, was but was recently demoted Wait, to... 
Oh. Dead friends. Oh, never mind. <laughs> nope. <laughs> to the tertiary collection. Any guesses? Beans. 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 Yeah. Two people said that. Two people said that at the same time. Six ETH? What the fuck? Yeah, they were six ETH before they were beans, when they were the box. Do you remember the box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I had 12 of them at seven ETH in February 2022 in LA, and I thought I was rich. That's when I should have everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, beans, ladies and gentlemen, that's the first one. Nick, what do you think of this game so far? It's it's incredible, man. I'm, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat here, trying to guess. We're just throwing out names. The next next one is going to be flip a coin, heads or tails. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, moving on to round two of this fun yeah, game. Right? Wait, who got points? Who got points? Signal that Signal got that one. Uh, so point for Signal. Po, read read one clue at a time. So like, just clue one. Read it. See if anyone has a chance to guess. Uh, but given that it took you guys that long to guess the first one. It only gets harder from here, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, show us the chart, Clemente, the all-telling chart that goes up and then it goes down. Here we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> round two. The chart goes up and then it goes down for you that are just listening at home. And I haven't even seen the chart yet, but I'm going to go ahead and assume. Oh, here it is. It went up <laughs> and now it's gone down. Here we go, guys. Um, these NFTs minted in January 2022, long time ago, reached an all-time ETH, uh, all-time high, get this, of 18 and a half Ethereum, also in May 2022. So look at that. Another NFT collection that an all-time high. Nope, not Cool Cats. And their current floor price is 1.68 ETH. That's clue number one. I'm going to pause. Moonbirds. Yeah, Clone X. OSF with the call. Clone X. There you go. That was a quick guess. Nick, what do you think of the game now that we've done two of them? I mean, I'd like to win at one of these, but uh, Clone X, I've never been a Clone X fan. That'll never be one of the guesses. So if you throw that on anything related to Clone X for me, I'll I'll never get it. Well, we got the third one. This is actually, I'll give it to Clemente. This is a good call. Um, This one, the chart also goes up and then goes down. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Another chart that goes up and then it goes down. (laughs) Um, These minted in August 2022. No, that can't be right. Is it really? No, August 2021, Clemente. All right, 2021. August yeah. 2021. Lazy they, Lions. Nope. They reached an all-time high of three and a half ETH. I thought it was higher, but okay. Three and a half ETH in August. Dead, dead fellas. We got kicks because he knows because he bought five of them or something. Creature World. Wow. Look at that what flex. What is Creature World at now? They just did their that size chat Arbitrum drop yesterday. The free NFTs is hilarious. <laughs> Their Wait, current what? their current floor price is 0. 0.08 ethnic. Oh my god! Go to OpenSea right now and look at the the, the main page. It's hilarious. You, you know want to know how I know that chart? Because I top tick the shit out of it. I Dude, Creature World's at point oh eight. <laughs> wow, they fucking off. They did a collab with Size Chat. Yeah, I didn't have that on my bingo card. Yeah, it's a free NFT on Arbitrum. It's hilarious. <laughs> Theo, you need to get something other than a bingo card, dude. Like, I'm just saying, you got to play another game. You got to play another game. So you can, uh, well, you, uh, I didn't have it on. What's something else? What made Size Chad decide in the the bottom of the NFT market to drop an NFT? Like, why do it now? Does he, he just need money? He's homie was with, uh, with Danny Cole, and it's like a free Arbitrum drop to like raise awareness around Arbitrum. So it's like free. So you have to actually like, it's like arbitrary. Oh, I think it's like, uh, marketing. 
That's yeah, like a that's twins funny. Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger situation if uh, if those two are friends. One's huge and one's uh, not huge. All right. <laughs> Dude, that that is such a depressing level, 0.08. That That is... I mean, I'm I'm surprised we haven't heard some stories in the newspaper about people sort of, you, you know what I'm saying, like kind of killing themselves, uh, Nick. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that myself. Oh, but right. <laughs> uh, NFTs aren't that serious, Nick. All right, number four, round four of this fun game. We got these NFTs. Another. Oh, this chart is different. This chart it is went different. Up and down, and then up and down. So this wow. went up and down twice, almost. Uh, lasted longer than me in bed. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? I, I, I honestly, is this rug radio? <laughs> no, 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 it's not. So, so this we have, we're, we're not going to do that to you, dude. <laughs> we topped at one eight in the bull. And then we went back to point seven before the Corey drop. And we're back at point two. It's like the, literally the same chart. That's why I laughed. <laughs> well, that's pretty funny. Um, but no, what, what this is, is these minted in February, 2022, they reached an all time high of 1.7 Ethereum in February, 2022. So right off the bat, they were at, they hit their all time high. Their current floor price is 0.38 ETH. They've recorded 37,000, all-time ETH volume. This is a this is a juicy one because the chart goes up twice. Which one is it? Pick someone. Yeah, another oh, W. Was the ETH was the ETH volume the giveaway on that? Because it like there's only so many that can be that high, right? Just a double yeah. spike. There's not been the that many spike. that have double spiked. That's true. Yeah. The dude, Pixelmon though with a pullback again, dude. That's a, that's crazy. How's Kevin doing? Like is is uh, how's it real? He's a grail these days. Uh, really? Yeah, I think it's yeah. like five e. It's a grail, baby. Wow. Sotheby's is going to be auctioning Kevin. Also, cool to oh, see. Hold on. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. But Mando, Mando, and OSF. Did you? Uh, did, did you guys own a Kevin? Like, was that one of the art pieces that you collected during the after the uh, ape sale? That that one uh, was it was in the final stages, but didn't make it through to the. Uh, <laughs> It's a 3.40 floor right now, and there's three listed only on all marketplaces. So this is a grail. Listen, grails. I love, free. I love how they updated the metadata for every single other pixel on except for the Kevin. They were just like, <laughs> you you can't the touch the grail. Uh, also, oh sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying the trade called OG Kevin is great. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I kind of like that piece. Part of me like wants to like add that, frame that on the wall, just put it there. It it is it is pretty iconic, and uh, nobody who well let, let's be honest, no one comes over to my apartment ever. I was wondering why I have art on the wall, even like it's just a waste of money. But the uh, uh, putting a Kevin up there would uh, I I like it framed, hanging up when people come over. They're gonna be like, "What is that?" And I'll be like. Kevin. Well, there you go. Look, I want to do one more of these before we wrap. Clemente, I'm having trouble picking one because I feel like they're all going to be really hard. Someone's okay. People are calling out random collections to show. We're not going to do that. <laughs> um, get just pissed off. Hey, every commenters post your post post the chart we should show of your bags getting wrecked. <laughs> Basically, look, this is gonna we're gonna do. All right, we're going to do this next one. We're going to do the round five one, Clemente, okay? We're going to do this one. This one's going to be hard because it's not as 
It's not as big of a name as the first four, but it's interesting. So these minted in December 2021. So you have another 2021 mint. I did not know they came out that early. Party degenerates. Nope. They reached an all-time <laughs> high. They, they reached an... <laughs> <laughs> they reached an all-time high of three and a half ETH in January. They have a current floor price of 0.1 ETH. There's 21,000 ETH in all-time volume. At one point, I think people consider this a very strong community. If you look at that chart, it is a you know it went up and then it went down chart. But there's like you know it's a free mint. It's a free mint for sure. Alien friends. Yeah! Wow! How'd you get that? Oh, wow. How? What the hell? <laughs> you know what it is, because these MFers wrote like 200 reports, so it's not fair. Like these guys in 2021, they used to write all these reports, right? They still do have the reports going on, but it. Sheesh! That was that was a people in the chat too. It's like, a strong community. I remember that January 2021 time, like. I mean, the dude, trash. Yeah, yeah, that's when we did the one ETH challenge. Remember, like, <laughs> all the bags that we had during that time? <laughs> that was it. Uh, here, here, here's, 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 here's a game. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, between me and Kicks, we had like 15 ETH worth of quirkies that we bought at like 0.2 each and refused to just acknowledge them until we sold them way too early. And they promptly went to three ETH apiece. The challenge would have been done. Like, that was the wildest time. Anything you bought from that January to like March period was just a cook. I mean, <laughs> the game should just be here. Watch us lose money was what the one ETH challenge should have been because basically, oh, what were you going to say? Okay. That was my most fun uh, event that we've done. Clint, hats off. I thought that was a lot of fun, dude. I thought that was a good segment. You don't want to know the other ones I had keyed up. I was way too late thinking, like, oh, I know oh, to get this. There. Is there yeah, a creeps chart? There's an insane one. Give us the insane one. Come on. All right. You always want the hard one. One more. Yeah, one, yeah. one more. One Third more. One. All right, Pia, let's do uh which number? <laughs> yeah, actually, let's try let's try number eight. Round eight. Yeah. So number eight. This one's this round one, eight. How many do you have? Seven. You're on like round seventeen. He had eleven wow. fully prepped, and then a lightning round if we wanted three more. But um, so, wow. So this is round eight. Look, I'm beyond impressed that you got alien friends. If you get this too, that is very <laughs> impressive. Uh, this was going to be my next choice. So these minted in August 2021. Another 2021 collection. Uh, Clemente didn't fill in the all-time high because he was up too late doing this. He just has the letter X in there. Take but, a guess at the all-time high. Uh, it looks like the all-time high was just under 0.2 ETH. So not that high. Their current floor price is 0. 0.003. So it is a... No, but that chart's oh, 2022. That is an, it went to zero situation. They only have 2,000 ETH in all-time volume. They were presented the pitch... Is that they were his? They were historical, I suppose. Uh oh. Um, Eastlings. What is it? Eastlings, Eastlings, whatever they're. Nope. There are a bunch of historical uh, ones. My pride punks. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Crypto skulls. They are an animal. Those are way higher. Crypto skulls right, are yeah. way Crypto higher. Five. They like hit an ETH. That they was like. Animal. Those things were going five ETH at some point. The same they're people that were selling you crypto skulls were selling you this. A pixelized uh, crypto ray ray. Yes, buddy, with the crypto ray rays. <laughs> oh, I minted that with, and gas cost me uh, fifteen hundred dollars at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. Bunny, how'd you guess that? That was a good guess. This is, I, I, I remember the same people chilling, 
showing me uh, the skulls. But he couldn't even see the chart. Oh my god, these things! I I didn't even participate in this one because I was like, he definitely bought one of these at like point one two. Why are they historical? Exactly. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. First pixelated, um, you know, Raylo. Look at Ovi. Portal was showing the shit out of this. (laughs) Because twenty twenty one was a historical time, dude. You don't get it. Like that was that was that was was historical. Literally, (laughs) someone just just created an NFT project and called it historical. (laughs) That That was happening actually pretty often, where people would be like, "It was a moment in history." Yo, 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 uh, uh, pull this up, Clemente. I got fucking receipts on this guy. All right, pull it up. But this mug, this mug is historical. Buy it from me, asshole, is basically the message of, uh, of the crypto Ray Rays. What what do we got that we're pulling up here, kicks? I think Nick bought the literal top on these. Well, that that's on brand. Friends Iconics. Wait, did I? (laughs) You did. Oh, no. I yeah, lost money on this one. Damn, look how much money I lost on that. You bought the Pico top. $200 I lost on that thing. I remember I think you said these are stupid and I'm going to lose money on them. And you bought it like live on the show. Okay, so that was one of those. Well, let's be clear. The the October that we started the show, the, I think the reason the, the reason the show did well was because I always bought NFTs on the show and just promptly lost money. I think the first month of this show was me losing 15 grand live on air. And people love that sort of shit. Like, that's good content right there. It was, it was great. It, you guys used to be like, you guys used to be a riot, bro. Like, this show, this morning show, y'all's morning show. I mean, we were not Used much to be good. <laughs> I like it better now, but y'all were a riot back then. Like, it was like a whole, like, it was crazy. You're on that whole run energy, you know? No, but it was nuts. Like it was it was on a whole other like craziness. <laughs> it was unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Unhinged was is probably the definition. That was the, I mean, that was when when whenever we did the cool cat space uh was basically around that time as well. And I'm still I've still lost fifty percent of this market won't talk to me because they think I'm a piece of shit for hosting that space. Your boy was right. Okay, <laughs> just remember that next bull run. Uh, remember who had the right call on literally everything. Uh, but didn't, um, I didn't make any guys, good trade. I got to hop into another call, but it's been uh, it's been a pleasure hanging with you guys. It's Later, really Adam Black. I definitely do this more often, but um, <laughs> I got to late for, for another one. So. Absolutely. For yeah. I mean, uh, OSF just wants to run. It's, we totally get it, but no, we were gonna wrap anyway. <laughs> No, seriously, this was absolutely fantastic. I don't know why we procrastinated it, especially since we just made Clemente and Golden do all the work and we didn't have to do anything but show up, which was pretty nice. But shout out to OSF, shout out to Mando, shout out to Farouk. Uh, Mando, Farouk, any closing thoughts? Mando? We should do this more often. This was a lot of fun. This is the most fun I've had in, in, in weeks. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, all I got to say is I'm ready for the next bull run because it's going to be a blast. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Next bull's going to be we need people to stop your ETH at $1,900, Mando. Like, we need, we need, retain, retain, you know, like it's, it's, retain is the new hodl, you know, stop selling your goddamn ETH at two, under $2,000. Maybe we'll have a good time. Okay. But no, it was fun. Part two, we'll do it on our show. I love that. Shout out to Clemente and Golden for yeah. the hard work behind the scenes. It was, it was a blast.
Mando, are you guys so like what's the goal on the next bull run? Are you guys buying helicopters and planes or like what what sort of is like the the target here that you're aiming for? Uh and and where are you going to sell your Yeah, a second plane would be great actually. I think I think that's that's second plane. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, don't have any aims. We just we're just going to we're just, we're just going to see where we're at in a couple of years. Hell yeah. Well, look, like la- ladies and gentlemen, make sure you follow Farouk, OSF, and Mando. They are all on stage right now. You see the two rec guys. Shout out to the rec guy collection. Doing quite well in this bear market. Exceptionally well, dare I say. Uh, those are OSF and Mando. Farouk has a Farouked out Opepin from the uh, sta- the uh, is it state of web. Sorry, Farouk. I have like 20 of these. State of web three? Faces of web three. Forgive me. Yeah. Faces of web three. Hell yeah. Great. You sweep that floor. <laughs> I, I, need, I, need, I need. I'll solve. I'll solve them to you. Um, yeah, Theo. How about that? <laughs> Hell yeah! And and check out all of uh, Rug Radio's content. Check out Wrecked Radio, hosted by Mando OSF and Keyboard Monkey. Shows doing incredibly well once a week. Plenty of other Rug Radio programming for you to consume. And I, apparently, I think uh, there's some new stuff coming that's really exciting too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we do the show Monday through Friday, right here, 9 a.m. to there's 10 15. NFT. Yep, there's a free NFT. Go to the nifty.com slash claim. Put in the code PROFIT7. You, as you can tell, uh, next time we'll have a, a free NFT that's themed based on this show. We uh, we didn't have time to set it up this time, but next time, 1,000%, there will be a themed one for sure. And make sure you listen to Rug Radio's morning show that happens at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time right here on Twitter Spaces. Also on YouTube, also uh, streamed to Twitter video, which is very cool stuff. Anything else that people should pay attention to, Farouk, all things Rug Radio related? No, honestly, everything. Just just everything. Pay attention, you know. We're, we're, we're building. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had Town Hall yesterday, and I'm here, just like, you know, like, uh, we're working, we're building, we're growing, so it's just good. Hey, just keep paying attention to everything. I'm going to be posting tweets. Stay Watch active. every single tweet everything. that I post. notifications on on everything, every reply, absolutely everything I'm doing. Attention. No, but for real, like what I would say here is pay attention to, to Rug Radio V2. I talked about it for the first time yesterday on Town Hall, but you know, we're we're about to we're about to go big, like for the second, you know, iteration of Rug Radio. I think brands in the space have to consistently like adapt and change and reiterate, especially the twenty twenty one companies that you saw, like market's different the next bull run's not going to be like the last bull run in my opinion and i've seen you guys adapt and change with your platform and your fan is incredible and you're killing it clearly your numbers are there so it shows for it so i would pay attention to the next uh, to q4 you know q1 because we're really about to change a lot of things um you know uh fundamentally Hell yeah. Can't wait to see it. Uh, shout out to Loxley, co-CEO of Rug Radio, doing his thing. I see him in the audience. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, to close the week out. But make sure you check out Rug Radio's content like I talked about and Wrecked Radio as well, hosted by OSF Mando and KBM. That's Keyboard Monkey. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, let, let, there we go. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you next time.